0: Hey this is PJ Souls and you are totally listening to Nightmare Junkhead
1: woo keep listening
2: in and out of your consciousness like a bad dream you can't wake from, this is the Nightmare Junkhead Podcast, a horror podcast that is sophisticated enough to eat and appreciate steak tartare.
3: It's the sauce that
2: makes the dish. (laughs) My name is Greg D. I'm Genius McGee. And on today's episode, we're frosting up our tips and doomsday prepping as we delve even deeper into the mouth of March Madness as we welcome two of our favorite writers to help us talk the surviving horror classics from our 1999 bracket. But before we get in that, let me remind you, we're a part of the Boom Howdy Podcast Network. Boom Howdy. You can find all of our episodes at BoomHowdy.com, or the easiest way to listen in is to simply search for Nightmare Junkhead in your iTunes or SoundCloud app, hit subscribe, and when we drop our latest episode, it'll download directly to your listening device of choice. All up in your kitty, 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 (sighs) hole. And don't forget, if you're on social media, you can follow us along. Uh, On Twitter, you can find us at Nightmare Junk, and on Facebook, at Nightmare Junkhead. And during this time of the year... If you're not following us on Facebook... You're missing out. How are you going to play the game? You can't play along at home without that. Make sure with our Into the Mouth of March Madness, you can find the bracket there. Mm -hmm. Fill it out. Take a picture. Post it on any of the social media.
3: Show your work. Show your work.
2: As required and as we do here, because I like I. I'd like to think we are bringing a nice, not an academic approach. I leave that to the faculty of horror. Mm -hmm. Shout out to them. They do it much better than we do. But a nice balance, if you will.
3: Yes, yes. We, we, We have the education, the street smarts. And then the book smarts. We,
2: it's a nice balance there. Yeah. You are the man now, dog.
3: <laughs> yes,
2: yes. <laughs> but as we go into the round of the Scream 16, we do expand, and we do that because it is a chance for us to bring in some of our all-time favorite people, be they writers, directors, podcasters, anyone that just loves and appreciate horror films the way that we do. Mm-hmm. And for this particular round, <laughs> and regardless of the animosity that might exist. For this particular round, it comes at night. (laughs) and you know our next guest you can read his work over at boom howdy boom howdy uh you know him as the host of the horiversary podcast and uh every uh most tuesdays if you're at the alamo draft house you know him as
4: the host of Terra tuesdays welcome back to nightmare junkhead adrian torres i'm I'm glad to be here you could say that that animosity is hereditary yes Bravo.
3: bravo 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 (laughs)
4: <laughs> you wanted the best we gave you the best
3: we I get, love you
2: bud I love, I love you, you. T- <laughs> before we continue to cut
1: that tension that tension there
4: uh, please tell our listeners where can they find you out on the social media plug and promote away uh, you can find me on on twitter at yo adrian Tours. Uh, you can find stuff for uh, horrorversary at horrorversary on twitter as well we're going to be starting up the next round of uh, a whole bunch of episodes um I blame both the winter cold, the snow, and a little it's, bit of depression it, on yeah. on episodes. But um, back and forth, um, you know, it's it's going to be coming full force. We've got a lot. There's a whole bunch. And, I mean, you guys are covering some of this stuff. But there, you dive deep into, you know, 99, um, 89, 79, 69, and 59. And one of which I will actually mention with one of the films that we're covering here. with Because you have a lot of... History repeating itself in in these time frames. Well, especially when you're going back that far, mm-hmm. and that's the one
2: thing I really wanted to kind of highlight with horrorversary is it's the essence of what we do here into the into the mouth of March Madness. Mm-hmm. And for anyone that goes, well, damn it, you didn't talk about this particular film. Right. Ideally, we you probably can always haven't. yes, yeah. always look back to
3: that, which I appreciate because of
2: all the ones that we talk about again.
3: So many had to go that were like. When we've had some buyers' regrets, yeah, already, so, yeah. So
2: <laughs> whether it's off mic or on the mic, we've talked a lot of, and it's just like, ah, oh, did that one really need to go forward? Yeah. But it's like, no, we've already
3: <laughs> shown well, we, we, We've done. We we did it. It's. I no. guess
2: once it's
4: technically recorded, we.
2: I mean, technically, we could always go back. and go, nope,
4: nope That's no. That's no no, 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 no. Once it's out there in the ether, there's exactly. there's no, no getting it back. Exactly. There Don't is, take backsies.
3: And there's, yeah. yeah. No, take. They're still gonna stick to it. <laughs> 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 but one
2: of the things that I've had a just a great time doing in fact go back to our best of 2018 episode i talked all about terror tuesday and what it's done for me just as a terror fan is also as a host it's nice just to be able to kick back and see someone else do all the work number one (laughs) (laughs) i'm i'm not gonna lie i love that Uh, but also man i've been had i've had a chance to see some amazing films for the first time in the theater repeating it in the theater but ultimately, the tie-in, the, the through line is that theatrical experience, the communal experience, and kind of the community that's already formed at Terra Tuesdays.
4: Yeah, I mean, that, that's what I love about it, is not only seeing the the familiar faces, but we also have the suggestion box, which lots of people at first, when you mention it, are, are kind of like, ah, eh, suggestion not sure about that and then i press upon no while you're sitting there and you're watching this movie think about the craziest the most fun the, the most terror-inducing goriest film that you would like to see on the big screen because we like giving back i mean already to date we've had in, in our first year we've had seven different instances where we've given back to to the audience and i i also tell them the movie doesn't have to be great because that's one of the great things about horror <laughs> it, it doesn't have to be what you, you'd normally quantify as, oh, my God, that's an amazing movie. It has to be a fun movie. It has to be a movie that you'd want to sit in the dark on the big screen with a group of people and have them experience.
2: Blood Rage was a highlight for me because, number one, how I experienced it and then ultimately retroactively knowing how genius you experienced
3: oh, no, it oh, as man. well. That movie made me mad. That, <laughs> I'm Todd. I, I'm t- that movie made me mad and sad, and I'm like, I got to go. It's just, there was a lot go. of feelings coming out of genius from go. that one but
2: even more so seeing freaking bones up on the big screen oh, that was crazy oh, that there's, there's, there's,
3: i'm there. kicking myself man i love fucking bones i know i love bones and i'm kicking myself i don't get a chance to get as many as i want to well yeah. and
2: that's the thing it's it's a later screening yes that's the one thing yeah and i'll
3: i will I mean, As an older
1: man
2: myself, I'm
3: going to break up my rules because you got one of my absolute favorite. And that's out. what I was going <sighs> to say. And, and
4: I, I think March is one of the best months to kind of show people just the different realms that we go into, mm-hmm. because not all of them are crazy and super obscure. Not all of them are are, you know, quintessential classics. We try to hit upon everything. So this month, one of the movies that we're going to talk about in in just a minute is Audition was a movie that that we showed, mm-hmm. which I, it was a great experience. I'll just Sing say it that on the big screen, right? And Whoosh. hearing that there's so many moments where Whoosh. you can hear the pin drop, and you hear people say, "What the fuck." And I love that in an audience when you have people who are watching it for the first time and they're trying to figure out what's going on. And then something happens. You have a shriek over here. You have a person who's losing their mind over here. And then you have utter silence when there should be silence. And it's wonderful. And then, of course, we've got, as I've been telling everybody, one of the few times we'll have a multiple Academy Award winning film be shown as part of Terror Tuesday. But we're showing we have the 4K restoration of Silence of the one. And this one will have already released as well. And yeah. I can, would you I can, watch me? I, I, can,
2: I can only... Uh, <laughs> we're going
4: to have to put you on a watch, <laughs> man. A
2: fucking
1: 50-foot fruit That's basket. going to be him, awesome. Going to
2: have him
4: dance before everybody.
1: Exactly. A little
2: goodbye, horses. You'll probably... Yeah, you'll have to force him not to do that, unfortunately.
1: <laughs> 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 sit down, sit down. <laughs> <laughs> but
4: then the film that we have in the very middle of the month is kind of the one that I don't think people are expecting but I am so glad to see on the big screen is John Waters classic Serial Mom. Oh, I don't think I've seen the that since I saw it in the I theater. Out
3: tomorrow, oh, that it's, is so good.
4: But but it, it just has that fun mix and then we go back into the 80s to show a little slasher film that I know the majority of the people in the audience won't have seen in Alice Sweet
3: Alice. I've seen that. I yeah. have you? Is that's and I've seen that. That's an I've seen that really. Yeah, it is. It's good because you have like there's like this weird diddler oh, no. and there's like yeah. this the, and the, the neighbor, and the mask is creepy yeah. and, and there's the a reveal these, like, of who the, of, who the of killer, killer really yeah. is and like what the red herrings and the religious aspect of everything because you got like young innocent Brooke Shields. It's like, not, it's not, it's that. not a it's, a it's a mean little no, movie. it's it's it's, it's Ironically, that is the very first horror movie, horror club under my, I guess, presidency. Mm -hmm. Shows nice,
2: yeah. So, and that'll be one nice to nicely see up on the big screen as a a first timer.
4: Yeah,
3: it's a good one to see.
4: April, we we don't have out yet, but there's. There are some ones that are going to uh, that are going to make people quite happy and then people mm-hmm. are going to grumble about it but in the best way possible well then also in May Ooh, you there's... guys are going to be celebrating the year anniversary yeah and we have we have a movie up our sleeve to make Greg happy
2: so all I will say is just go back to a few episodes where we once said we'd love to go to a screening of this movie as long as we didn't have to host it, yeah.
4: But we can't. We can't.
1: <laughs> but yeah. we can't. We can't see <laughs> it, right? right. Yeah, because right. it's not. No, official, I'll, leave, official, I'll, keep, but... I'll keep it ambiguous as,
2: the, as much as that. But <laughs> thank you and Amber to this, because, yeah, for that, because yeah. it has been a blast. It and like I said, if I now if I didn't have to work a little bit later on Wednesday, yeah, I may not be able to make it out. But as fate has it, I don't, and it's perfect. So I've enjoyed it. It's been a absolutely, blast. Absolutely. So thank you for that. Sure. Um, but as we go into the round of the Scream 16, we have four films. <laughs> But only two can go forward into the round of the Hateful Eight. And as we do here on the Into the Mouth of March Madness Tournaments, we are showing our work. And we have two criteria that when it comes down to crunching to see which films advance. Um, First and foremost, of course, because we want to share the joy of nostalgia Mm -hmm. with our guest. We ask which of the two films are closer to your heart. Closer
1: to the heart.
2: Again, not too bad. I'm, I'm getting. De- you're getting there. Getting there. Getting there. Getty Lee will call there. you eventually. Yeah. But then, secondly, we ask of the two films if you were to take one away, which would leave the year 1999 poor. Mm-hmm. So again, we're kind of doing a little bit of the heart and a little bit of the head, mm-hmm. and our first matchup here <laughs> tonally they're opposite.
1: Yes.
4: Uh, that's, a, Just, that's in both that's, cases here. Yeah, that's it's, in both cases. Oh, completely. Yeah, it's the you the, guys do this to me on purpose. This is kind of <laughs> how it was last year, where where I'm like, okay, I know which ones are a slam dunk, and then you guys were like, screw you, these movies deserve merit
1: too.
2: <laughs> well, between um, martyrs and audition, I suppose
4: we do owe you an apology, but
2: also you're welcome. You know, yeah. some good you know international flavored
4: horror. I, I I will I will say this in the defense before we even get into audition that audition is in the realm of Meke uh, especially around this time is, is a little bit tamer so yeah True, true. Well, and that's we talked
2: about it in the first that's round. Weird to
3: say that this. Is that's tamer. just it. Like yeah. this
2: could be your intro to Miki, mm-hmm. as oddly as, enough as it is. So we do have audition going up against the house on haunted hill. Yes. Weird matchup. Two totally so different strange. films. Should we just go ahead and go into audition first? Uh,
4: we could do or, house on haunted hill because so I could talk about okay. audition longer. No offense to to house on haunted hill.
2: None taken. It again. You you never know how these matchups will
4: fall here. Yeah. But uh, what was your initial experience? Do you remember? Was this one that you caught theatrically um i i no it was home home video because of when it came out because it was 99 mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and i started working for a blockbuster in 2000 yes um and so and, and funny enough w- when i was re-watching it i noticed that uh the guy who's manning the controls uh has two blockbuster videotapes that are that are <laughs> on there and i'm like wait to date your movie that right? you're gonna have two blockbuster vhs tapes tie-in VHS DVD will never die, my friend. Home rentals, it'll never die. But I mean, when having that that clamshell that just says blockbuster on the side of it, you know, you know mm-hmm. when that movie is right. taking place. Yeah. You, you know that the new Captain Marvel movie is taking place in the past because she crashed lands into a blockbuster. A blockbuster. Right. So this movie ties into that um, a relic another time, another place. So <laughs> renting it was the the first way that I saw it was using a free rental. because so I was like, I can get this. They don't they don't care what age I am. So, so rewatching it, were you all washed with a flood of nostalgia at all? It's see the interesting thing about house on, on haunted Hill is kind of when it comes into play in the fact that it's 99, but what's going on theatrically at that time for, cause you still have a large subset of, of the VOD era from the old VOD era from the eighties and nineties that are still going strong. Because what everybody forgets when they complain about, oh, there's kind of a drought, we don't have a lot of mainstream horror, and, and nowadays, oh, mainstream horror is finally coming back, is that in that point towards the end of the 90s, going into the beginning of the aughts, you still only had a couple that were coming out a year and the house on Haunted Hill. Part of the reason why they're able to do that is they're like, oh, in 1959, we had the Vincent Price one, this one hasn't been done in 40 years, let's celebrate that anniversary by putting a new one that doesn't really have any connection to it. But you see, lots of the talent, the actors that are involved in the movie, completely, completely place it yeah. in 1999. You've got Jeffrey Rush, you've got Famke Jensen. you, you've got Tay Diggs, Taye Diggs. Yeah. you've got Ali, Ali Lard- Larder, Chris Catan, uh, Peter Gallagher, exactly. and his eyebrows, yeah. oh, that beautiful man's eyebrows, <laughs> that beautiful man's eyebrows. It, it's, but but it, it's it's very much a cast of who's who, people who were big at that time, yeah. and then the the special effects. Who did the special effects? Gotta go to the cast crew. Come on. Hold on. Oh, no, that's okay. It's three letters can be can be can be end up doing it and that's what i I actually liked at the beginning of it when they were willing to have some of the murders was that some of the murders are more gory like when you get the Mm -hmm. pencils that are stabbing through the neck and they hold on it for a second instead of showing somebody's hand with a close-up of of the of the pencil of the mind of it and then and then cutting away so you're actually getting to see that jeffrey combs of course shout out to great jeffrey Jeffrey combs Combs for a minute wonderful um, getting to actually cut open to the body and having the blood pour out and the body's Just being ripped gooey open. gooey, gooey. But it's also emblematic of that time that you have that be kind of the bait and switch. You have that to pull people in, and then the movie's like, oh, we should have more of a story, uh, <laughs> but we didn't really have time to invest into the story. And that's what kind of sags it because I think if they had more of the of the blood and guts throughout the movie Mm -hmm. and i think when they kind of go away from that and they they play up more of the jokey aspect of it but within inherent to the story that that hurts it a little bit more
2: well it's ultimately do you think it's because it is calling upon original source material that a lot of people hold dear because vincent price let's face it there is that's a whole Mm -hmm. another genre in and of itself do you think that because it didn't wasn't really hold but true to
4: that that it had those faults um i I think yes and no I think it's part of a, a director not exactly sure of of what they want to to play up do they want to play up the older aspect of it mm-hmm. and you know the the historical significance and the way the first movie plays out do they want it to be more of a slaughter fest going through it and because they they don't really choose that tone that's what ends up hurting it uh, case in point the director goes on a couple years later to make fearcom that, yeah which is not a great movie I, I've, I've seen, seen that saw,
3: I saw it in the theater <laughs> yeah <laughs> but there but I, but, I, but I mean he,
4: he you, th- that movie you can see more of like what he's trying to that, that again The story's not completely working with that And it has some moments but as a whole Doesn't
3: but didn't this come around the Time of the ghost house because This was a ghost house production and uh, No dark castle dark castle dark yeah. castle And didn't they do a lot of Like 13 ghosts and remake of old properties yes because one of those loosely Based and yeah, then because
4: yeah. the one of the producers Of course was William castle's daughter Yeah and so that's kind of how They had the, but the it, pull in from there
3: yeah, and I can see where you're saying it almost is two different movies. You yeah. have the whole party aspect and then you have once they get into Beth and Court Manor with all the shenanigans and Dr. like Dr. West coming in and yeah. fucking shit up. So, yeah, no, I can see that. But I mean, you 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 start out
4: with with uh with the doctor being, you know, the thing and then they have the darkness is what, what, what takes over, which mm-hmm. it, it's such a, a weird thing that that they decided, hey, what's the best way that we can have the personification inside in a, a sanatorium? Oh, I know. Let's have a, a hundred different images of naked women and put CGI over it, it's, even though there's not really naked women any other point in the movie. And so that's what I thought was confusing when I was watching. It, I'm like, a weird blob. What is wh- why? Yeah. And, but when you're watching it, you're noticing it, you're like, that's a that's a woman's face that's a and lot. those are boobs why is what are we we're, talking we're, about
3: the blob at the end that yeah. was trying to get that wasn't i just thought it was just an like a the no no composite if you, if you, of every a so dark thing i didn't see boobs
1: yeah, yeah was i not looking hard
3: enough i mean like normally because normally i'm, I'm, I'm like oh there it is this. there it is your radar you know? didn't go off no it didn't i thought it was just this mass of like just different people and body parts no it and with is a, a boob here and there because i, mean, Cause but, I, th- I but thought i, I didn't see something. it was just like yeah. a bunch of women
4: No, no no i thought that i was i was i thought it was like Am I really seeing what I'm seeing? No. So ultimately, and, I looked online, online. No. and it, no, it mentions in the IMDb trivia section that that's what they did. And I was like, I, that's really. Well, they just weird. have like some
3: like footage of some other shit just laying around of a bunch of naked women. Let's burn the evidence. I got a better idea. You know, <laughs> well, just. Well,
2: ultimately, all I can think of this is like the craziest ink block test in terms yeah. of what you're reading into it. And for once in his life, genius is not the one not <laughs> right? seen. Right.
3: Right. I'm a gasp. Is that what it's like when people talk to me? You know what I'm saying? Like, what? You know? <laughs> Oops. Uh, what say you? <laughs>
2: <laughs> well, and we talked about it before on the last episode. This is a film that I still haven't seen the original. Yeah. Uh, but based on my rewatch of this one, I do want to go back and see it. So, have you seen the original? Yeah,
4: yeah, yeah. It, it still has that whole aspect of um, uh, of stay the night and you get X amount of mm-hmm. money. Is it kooky? It's kooky er. Mm-hmm. Is um, it
2: is it the one that features that famous g- skeleton g- scare of not the skeleton but the lady where they pull aside and she's got that crazy looking face? I and think, the,
4: the skeleton's more so what everybody remembers for okay. it. For the skeleton that's popping uh, up because they the the biggest connection between the two of them outside of staying in the house is the whole uh, affair uh, episode and him wanting to expose the affair. And he's kind of more driven by that in
3: in the original. I'm gonna say this: I liked the better the acting, acting the <laughs> actors playing the characters before it got all like gory and stuff. And mm. this character, yeah. normally, I'm like, I want a lot of gore and I want to see a bunch of people get slaughtered and shit. Yeah. But like I like the interplay between Famke Jansen and Jeffrey Rush. I like the whole aspect of they can spend the night. And I think I still enjoy this movie, but I think where it goes off into weirdness was when it tries to get crazy gory, which I appreciate, but it just seemed too totally balanced. Yeah, yeah. And
4: it's that that mix of not being sure which it wants to do. Because you can have the gore and you can have the kills. It's just that they, they want to focus on, or they want to keep on bringing in either... Mythology aspects, you know, it's kind it, of be a like a lot going on, but but they don't really set and like boobs that they don't really set like a tone because in so many other movies, you can easily get by with having um Jeffrey Combs character possessing certain people. I would have right. been good with that. Right. And, and it's like, th- that's why too not having that said. And then all of a sudden you have the the ghost blob thing at the end and you have Chris, <laughs> the boob, the the, the boob <laughs> ghost thing. And then you have Chris Chris Kattan. All of a sudden, pops up again. You are popping back up. You are like,
3: what? That kind of angered me. And like, I'll be honest. When I first saw this in the theater, because I saw this in the theater, I was like, man, I liked his character, but not enough for him to come back and save the day. And you are like, why? You
4: didn't seem like you liked any of these people. And you are like, no, get out of here, bud. Maybe it's because it's Tay Diggs, and everybody wants to save Tay Diggs. What I couldn't get over was uh, them uh, having Tay Diggs. Uh, team up with Ali Larder. And all I thought of is man, really, in a short period of time, film wise, they give you the upgrade between Devin Sawa to day oh. to Diggs.
3: I, to this day, love the intro scene. Yes. The, the, uh, Roller coaster mm-hmm. gone yep. awry. I think it's fantastic with the elevator and shit. I was like, I want to go to that amusement park.
4: But like that, and see, that's what was surprising is they don't really keep up with like that type yeah. of, of 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 jokey humor. Because later, when he has the oh, I'm pulling strings behind the scenes, it's in a much meaner light. Like when he decides to to like physically accost his his wife, and it doesn't really go in with that kind of prankster huckster uh, William. Castle, castle yeah type it, it would type have been
3: image. cool if it would have been like an april fool's day type yes yeah, yeah. yeah,
2: yeah. well i think the most frustrating thing is having watched both the haunting and then house on haunted hill is if maybe if you maybe cronenberg the both of the films in a way you, you could need, have had something you need better directors i think because yeah. that's i the, think they, they were all Bowl mismatched Bowl. ultimately yeah.
3: ultimately but no i, I again, still enjoy house on haunted hill a lot though it's I mean, got it's, it's got, a, got
4: lots of lots to go for it i mean it's a solid you you put it at like a 60 if I'm double if I'm watching it with something else if I'm if I'm doing a double feature mm-hmm. I, I think it works better in that regards if you pair something up with it And you have it be the first movie where people are like oh that was fun, but not great mm-hmm. And then you add something you know after it to bring everything home
2: There are worse ways to spend an hour and a half with Yeah, exactly. um, and let's go ahead and then transition into the other film going to a house on haunted hill And again from one that is more fun something yeah. you could easily throw in as a double feature <laughs> To one that, ultimately, uh, we talked about the reputation of the film. It becomes one of those films you almost have to prepare for. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, Mike's audition, audition, what is your your background, your relationship with that particular one?
4: Uh, I saw it. This is 99. I didn't see it right when it came out. I saw it a couple years later when I moved to uh, Chicago to go to film school. And you had a whole bunch of uh, video stores that that were still existing in that time. And they had... Um, a couple record stores that would, people could bring, you know, like resell DVDs and stuff like that, but oh, you yeah. could rent those movies that they had. And so there was a whole bunch when I was on a, a kick because at the school that I was going to, they also had a giant film library and you could check out a whole bunch of stuff. And on a whim, like the week after I moved to Chicago was at um, Tower Records when they still had it. And they were having, they're having a giant sale. And I needed a fourth DVD to, to grab to be able to have a four for 20. And they had Fudo in there. And that's uh, an earlier Mike film that was based off a of manga, which is so far gone. I, get, I That one I do not know. So, yeah, so far gone. We'll talk off the mic about some of the things because it's not really a good we're not talking about the movie right but it's it's really really messed up and really really wild and and takes some of the not so great aspects of a manga and puts them up on screen but when i saw it i'm like these things are ridiculous and over the top but i'm really curious about this director so i went to go find a whole bunch of other stuff that that he had put out and that's how i stumbled across audition i'm like holy crap this movie has it all <laughs> and, and the crazy thing to think about this and Mickey, of course, because he's gotten older has has kind of moved away from this in recent years. But when he puts this movie out in 1999, he has five movies and a miniseries that came out in the same year. Five wow. movies that he directed and a miniseries. One of those other um, one of the other movies that he has. I want to make sure that I'm getting the year right is the first of the Dead or Alive series for the trilogy that he has is 1999 mm-hmm. as well. So you already have two big Mickey films that are coming out at the same time. That's why just two years ago when they had Blade of the Immortal came out, yeah. it was his 100th, 100th, his 100th film. film. That's that,
3: insane. That's insane. The,
4: the years surrounding <laughs> this, he was doing six and seven movies at a time. So the fact that Audition is able to be as good as it is is what's great about Mickey And at the same time, there's so many different elements to it because like I said, it's a more pared back, Miki. It gets as crazy as it does, and it gets into insane imagery, but there's a restraint in there that if you're seeing other Miki, like if you watch the, the Dead or Alive movie, which literally is is two guys fighting against each other for the film, to the part where they have all these weapons that are coming out, and one of the entries basically has them becoming like mechanized robots and blasting off into space at the end of it. Well you compare that to this film, It's completely tonally different. And like that's what's great about him as a director is that Mm -hmm. audition understands they're like, pace is going to be important here. We're going to have a slow burn, but then we're going to have crazy stretches where things are just going all over the place.
3: It's an insane slow burn, but it's a different kind of slow burn. It's more like this story is not what I think it is. It's got Mm -hmm. that reputation of it being vile and gory. And even when it does get to vile and gory, but up until then, it's like... You could look at it just as your basic love story, mm-hmm. looking, you know, a, a single man looking for yeah. in weird Dealing ways, with tragedy. Yeah. right? Well, but then when it just like <laughs> flips it on its ass, you're like, what the
2: fuck? Well, I think I think because he is so diverse, you you can see a little, lot of the diversity he brings to this film because of the tonal shifts. Yeah. Because of the drastic mm-hmm. change that the you gore get, that you the, have, well, and even the gore that you don't get yep, as yeah. well, or gruel, I guess, in many ways, Gruul, which yeah, that's oh, true. it's just so many gnarly <sighs> things. I think, and I will say that let's just say, to, can I give you a peek behind the curtain? We technically haven't seen audition in the theater yet, and I have to say that because it's going to the way I'm answering my questions ties into that. Yeah. Uh, But I'm, I'm anxious to see it in the theater Uh, again. Thank you for that opportunity for terror Tuesday. But this is one that I'm anxious to see people that I never stand up to see how many people are seeing it for the first time because usually where we sit there's the little wall, Mm -hmm. this one I definitely want to see. It's going to be the majority
4: of the
3: hands, especially, (laughs) especially like when (laughs) they're on first dates.
1: Oh, Oh, (laughs) oh. that's ah,
3: ha. No, that's, you know, it, 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 that's what makes it even scarier because you—it's not the gore. No, it's not the gore what makes it scary because there's only a couple of the gore set pieces. Yeah. it's mm-hmm. the tension and this and the, and the buildup to the scares, and then when the gore hits, you're like, ooh, that's that's gnarly. And the performances are what make it too,
4: and mm-hmm. that, and that's what's key in this movie to have because you you could so easily overplay, and because it's Mika, there are times where it feels like people are very much skirting that edge of overplaying it you know and playing up the theatricality of it but because they they they're investing so much you're 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 glued to the screen because mm-hmm. you don't have people who are like where moments might feel campy it's not the same if you're watching like an american film where right. they're doing the camp because like th- some of those people are like oh this is my first film i'm just going to try to do it and like these people are tried and true actors and they're like we're giving it every single thing we're treating this as if this is our chance to be nominated for an Oscar.
2: And I, I said at the last episode as well, it's a film that ultimately it just, it's a sad, such a sad movie. So yeah. sad. And but as, it's almost, oh, sorry. Go no, no, no. I was just going to say, and as gnarly as Asami is, and as just uh, deplorable, you know, there's no excuse for the actions, you know, where you when you see where she's come from, what she's yeah, gone yeah. through, again, you're just like, there are some. Oh, man, shades of gray, and just. no no
3: if it didn't turn into the the horror aspect of it mm -hmm. into the last like third of it if it didn't turn into that it could be totally a just a plain uh oscar drama sure you know what i'm saying because like you said until you find out what fucking happened there's still these two these broken people you know and that's what makes you connect so when the gore hits when the horror actually mm. begins because it doesn't begin until like almost the into a third end of the movie,
2: the the first little hint, the smile, the smile, wow. the phone,
3: and the bag, uh-huh. the activation. That, oh, oh yeah, and as
2: as we, I think we talked about it as well, just like, the dangers of going into the dating pool. You yeah. Know, just, sure. Oh my goodness,
3: it, it, it's like what we talked about, Pet Cemetery. If you're a parent, you see a movie a lot sure, yeah, different. It, but if you're it, yep. if you're single and you're going to the dating pool, you see this movie as a cautionary tale. Just keep so, swiping
2: whichever is the the bad way.
3: Right, with, with whatever fingers you have left
2: and those are the things again ultimately that most that everyone walks away with and i think the fact that it is the last thing that we are left with yeah. it does leave that impression because ultimately if you don't care for the characters at that point you don't realize what he's gone through and exactly. again i'll say this i it's very manipulative what they're doing but ultimately it comes from a place of pain yes mm-hmm. so there mm-hmm. you can identify with so many things when it and that's when it gets a little scary when you identify with that. So yeah. that's why I think
4: this is a complex film.
3: And then it's, the multiple endings. Yes. Yep. It's, uh, <laughs>
4: but it's but it's okay. It's one of the few times where that's that's excusable. Yeah. Well, there's
2: a lot of ambiguity as well yeah. just and that's what I like about this film. But this is something that could you show this to a normie?
3: Yes. Absolutely
4: no no that's what I was saying is yeah. that when it comes to like me output this is there's a reason that's why not just us but in, in not media. just that we're throwing it into the theaters but that people are talking about it because it's one of those 20th anniversaries that people yes. are, are remembering because it's the accessible version uh, of Mike and that's how you kind of get in it's the beginner set it is everyone it's the gate the gateway 101 and, and because yeah.
3: I, I think it's accessible and, I, and I, the reason why is because you can show it to normies because yeah. it's about being human yeah. you know what i'm saying you can relate to the characters going out looking for love as opposed to like you get a ticket for a million dollars yeah you know i would love that <laughs> so but I doubt that's gonna happen. This shit in audition could happen, you know, and that's what makes it scary.
4: And it it opens up, as as you said, the normies. It 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 opens them up to seeing some of those weirder mm-hmm. aspects and kind of being like well you know what I'd like to audition I, mm-hmm. I might give a certain other movies a try
3: because you know what you could even trick normies with this movie when <laughs> yeah. I mean by trick normies like hey let's watch this movie and then because it doesn't take that turn yeah. to the later
4: I'll only be, describe what happens in the first 10 minutes
3: yeah just say let's just watch let's it just, and then they're like oh okay yeah just a, a man looking for love and he finds somebody on like <laughs> video yeah. tender and like <laughs> next thing you know they're already sucked in because it's like a Good drama, you know. Yeah,
2: and we've always they, they, the term out there is like the elevated horror or this mm-hmm. or that. Yeah. but I do think it shows you kind of the transformative power of horror. Normie trickery, yeah. and as as a, as horrific as many, and I'd say a lot of people, this is kind of the not the faces of death of their time, but like that film that has the reputation that all oh, wait way to get to the, the last 30 minutes of, you know, yeah. audition. But I sure. didn't
3: think it was that gory either. No, it wasn't well, no, a gory. No, no, not, it was not, just not by... like painful and, th- and oh, in your exactly. mind, in, exactly. in the, the your sound mind, design. Yeah. But as,
2: as much as we love it, we do because I want to make sure we give some, some much needed attention to the other two films here. Um, Two totally different films. but yes. two films that definitely elicited responses. One film is moving forward. Yep, we've shown kind of our work initially here, but we have two criteria that we're going to move forward to, and we're going to look into um, which of the two film, and we're going to start with you, Adrian. Which of the two films pulls on the nostalgic strings? Which ones? Are, which one is closer
4: to your heart? And see, it, it's it. Audition is the is the answer for for what uh, I I want to move forward. And it's it's because not only is it closer with, you know, learning about Miki at the time, but I think it shows a, a great transition of where international horror was. Well, when we when we talk about these two movies back to back, they show two completely different avenues of where um, American mainstream cinema was with House on Haunted Hill and where the international vibe was with uh, movies like Audition, because you still you had a whole giant um, Asian, uh, film culture that was going all over the place at the time. Cause you have this, you have movies that are coming out of South Korea that are crazy. Like you have uh, a movie that would kind of pair, I think really well with this for a great double feature. And hopefully I'll get to show it at Terror Tuesday someday is save the green planet. Hmm which is a movie that most people haven't heard about. I, I but, but, but it, Is that it, that
3: documentary about Al Gore? <laughs>
4: if only. But it, that, that one very quickly deals with with a, a kid who may be a little bit off in the head and is an alien conspiracy theorist and kidnaps the vice president of his company because he's convinced that the guy is an alien. And hmm. it's one of those throughout the movie, is he, isn't he? And mm-hmm. it's, it's really well done, but it kind of plays on, on some elements that are in audition. And one, it gets crazy and goes off the rails. But you have a whole bunch that are coming out around this time. And, like, they're getting all these movies. And people in America are wanting to, to grab movies from overseas, whereas the ones that are kind of in the theater kind of have a mixed response to that period of time. And then it still holds up today because, as we speak, on VOD, they just had uh, piercing Come out, oh. and the reason why I mentioned that is because Ryu Murakami is the guy who wrote the novel for Audition that became the movie, and he also wrote the novel that became Piercing. And there are some very similar elements with kind of sad and broken,
3: <laughs>
4: but but you have some sad and 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 broken people and who aren't exactly what they appear to be, and and crazy elements that are coming out. And that movie kind of didn't work as well for me because they you get to know a little bit of the characters, but you don't get that same that you do in this one where you get the full background of not just one of the characters, oh, but, but yeah. of both mm-hmm. of the characters so that you can feel for both of them. And Piercing doesn't do that. And that's why you're able to see the difference between a director who's adapting something to make it like full on and, and a director who's doing something to try to uh, to to have a certain feel of a movie. So like even today... You know, with Pearson coming out, people are gonna compare it to Audition on Audition. It still stands taller than that film. So if you have a movie that's able to, you know, 20 years later, still be like, no, 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 this is how you wanna adapt this person's work, then it, it shows the strength and vitality of that movie. And so that's, that's why I have to move it on over the other one. That makes sense to me,
2: Should w- consider the work shown, genius.
3: Okay, so uh, first off, closer to the heart, um... While I will never forget the kickity, kickity, right just the scariness, <laughs> I will never for fucking forget the theater and seeing that elevator scene in House on Haunted <laughs> Hill. That scene, I always like when I'm going up on elevators. I'm like shit, like that can happen. That's some Final Destination shit. And I fucking dig it.
2: And you know me, if you I you don't go, yeah, you're I'm a stairwell your kind of person.
3: Elevators are your greats, and so <laughs> right. So, I will remember that <laughs> fondly. Now, the rest of the movie, I dig it, okay? um But for Closer to the Heart, I got to go with House on Haunted Hill. No, mm-hmm. that totally makes sense. Yeah.
2: And it's interesting because I also saw this one in the theater, but I have not seen Audition in the theater. That being said, it's going to be remedied here in just a few days. Yeah. And I will say this based on my anticipation, based on my experiences so far with a the theatrical experience, I've had a tear Tuesday, and this is going to just sound <laughs> like a horrible This one. Unofficially sponsored by Shutter and Terra Tuesday here. <laughs> But I'm I'm anticipating that, and that's one of those experiences I'm looking forward to. I'm looking forward to the whole peripheral viewing with this particular film. I'm so looking forward to that. That has become kind of the thing that's pulling on my heartstrings Heartstrings. right now. (laughs) So I've got to go with Audition. Um, Now, for the next little bit of criteria here, Mm -hmm. what we're going to ask is we're going to ask, if you were to remove one of these two films, if you were to remove either Audition or House on Haunted Hill, which of the two films would leave 1999 poorer? So again gonna throw this
4: out here Adrian audition I, I gave you the reason why yep. <laughs> that was I did
3: it I did it and all in one fell swoop. Come on genius okay take a swing. take so a swing. here is <laughs> here's what I'm thinking okay And this is both good and bad um, House on Hunt Hill is a movie that you can put on the background. You can watch it. You can put it on the background. You can jump in. You can jump out. And you're fine. And you're good. Audition is a movie that you need to sit down and watch. If you do not sit down and watch it and go in with an understanding, like, yes, this is a different culture. So I got to be like, I got to, like, you know, not understand what's going on, but kind of like, okay, another time, another place. You're going to be processing. Right. You um, need to give it its due. And this is one where you can show normies. And audition is one that you can. Uh, really get a lot out of, but you have to be in the right frame of mind or Mm -hmm. get surprised, and you have to pay attention. Okay, House and Haunted Hill. You don't have to do that. You can jump in. You can jump out, and that's why, for the reason I'm going audition, because if you sit, if you dismiss this movie, cool, no harm, no foul. Mm -hmm. But if you watch this movie with an open eyes and like really let it get you, it will get you. House in Haunted Hill, you can just drop in and out of and see it a million times and be cool with it. Audition, I think, is a one you have to watch from start to finish. And that's why I think if we left it out, if we took it away, we would lose something. Yeah, that makes
2: sense. Again, nicely sh- shown work there. Ah. It, it, it's gotta it's, go with your gut. Well, no, it's, it, to me, it's not necessarily a no-brainer. I don't want to insult, you know, no. the the crew behind House on Haunted. It That's a fun movie. House on Howling yeah. Hills, dope. It was it was a lot of fun. But ultimately, because you guys mentioned it, if you're gonna get into Mike. This is the 101. Mm-hmm. This is absolute viewing that you need. This is how you build the foundation yeah. of his films and what foundation it is. You know, because it's going to hold up. We're talking about it 20 years from now. Who knows how many years from now? I have. I'm not going to get that's next uh, round there. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> uh, given a need, but I got to go with audition as well. And by one, two, three, four, five, by a vote of five to one, there, um, audition is getting a callback hey. and moving forward into the round of the hateful eight. Yeah. Now, yeah. The,
3: the, the last going thing that going deeper into the bracket. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, the, genius.
4: The last thing that I'll say about audition because we've we've mentioned you know double features at times, and if you're trying to get into Mike and you want a good one to go with audition, Happiness of the Katsukuris, and it's on Shutter, and I think it might be on Amazon Prime as well. Um, but it's the the way that the box describes it, which doesn't really hint at the craziness it gets into, but it's kind of uh, uh, the Von Trapp family. Meets Return of the Living Dead because it deals like it starts out with a family that have a, a bed and breakfast hotel out in mm-hmm. the middle of nowhere and a couple guests die and then come back as the undead. Nice. But then it's also a musical and then it goes oh. completely off the rails, but it's more.
3: And then it goes and and off it the, goes the goes off rails. rails. Yeah. yeah.
4: And, and, and but it's also m- more palatable than some of the other ones. So you put those two together and, and you're going to have a good time. Yep. I I'm looking forward to it. I'm looking forward to it. So, congratulations to audition moving forward. Woo! But we have
2: two more fabulous horror films from the year of mm. 1999 mm. Yep. and only one can go forward. We do have and again another totally opposite matchup
3: here. You can get
2: more but opposite what you, than this what either. What do, you, what do you mean? They're both comedies, <laughs> right? right? Yeah, that's yeah, Te- right. Technically, yeah, no, technically yes. Technically,
3: yes, they are. And
2: another <laughs> one more bombastic that you would see uh, in the theaters and another one that maybe you could show Normies potentially. Uh, we have The Mummy going up against Ravenous. Uh, Adrian, which one should we start with first? Let's start with Mummy. Let, let's, let's go with Mummy. The Mummy, and I'm going to borrow a phrase from the We Hate Movies podcast, The Mummy is the perfect hangover film. Yes. It's the perfect film that you'll see on like TNT or TBS, and no matter where you are in the movie, I'll go along with it. I'll stop my day, which is—I'll be—I'll be be honest. It's the reason why I got rid of cable because it's the only time I watched it was if I would get snuck into
4: something like The Mummy or The Beastmaster or something like that. And and now that uh, the entire Mummy series is on Netflix, there you go. Uh, See, there you go. Man, cable—they have the cartoon
3: too. Oh.
2: Cable used know. to be cultural currency, but now it's like the streaming <laughs> right? know, devices that are out there, which is horrible, but, but again, we still champion yes. the physical media yeah. here.
3: HBO is still currency, though. Like, man, you got HBO? No. no. Oh, man. I
2: got HBO Go, though. Right. <laughs> give me your login. Or I should my say cousin. my borrowed. Fr- yes.
3: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, why don't you give me your cousin's password? No, nah, fuck you. <laughs> you, you. You give me your digits, i will give you my login.
2: Right. <laughs> oh so weird so weird so uh adrian what was your initial experience with the oh, the
4: theaters of course <laughs> because it's oh, yeah i mean it's it, it, for as as goofy and and daffy as elements of this movie are which it it totally understands and it agrees with you but i think it might be one of the quintessential popcorn blockbuster films because mm-hmm. it's when people say, oh, just turn off your brain and have fun with it, they're usually talking about something like The Mummy. Don't spend a lot of time thinking about anything that's just going on. Just have fun with it because that's all it wants to do. Mm-hmm. It, it's not trying to be pure art, but it is trying to be pop art. It wants to have that that fun, easygoing atmosphere, um, which works in its favor. It sometimes doesn't work in its favor, but... It's a fun little film
2: and I ask you this because I know occasionally someone might question the inclusion <laughs> of the mummy as a horror film Would it what can it qualify as a horror film for you?
4: Yeah, because I mean it's still a monster movie yep. and it's it's universal It's not like some it, other little mm-hmm. company was trying to do it. It's not like uh, Warner Brothers is doing a little mummy film. It's still within in uh in Universal's bag and and Universal wanting to do it and and like I I was mentioning earlier this is the one that I was talking about that it's another 40 year anniversary 1959 oh man yeah. is when uh, the original huh. mummy comes out and so 40 years later they were like oh let's let's do an you know an updating in a way and of course it can't be any further <laughs> from hmm. the original mummy but, but it's still it's it's part of that universal monster series so by default that allows it to be horror now the the way it's played in the film it's it's more of you know um like uh, Indiana Jones yeah. meets sci-fi but it, it's still because of that that qualifier of it being a universal monster it does get swooped into there and I know the term is the whole horror adjacent thing yeah. but this it is works.
3: straight up horror it's a fucking mummy it's a, it's a, a, a mummy. goddamn undead dead mummy that wants to eat people's brains and fucking dude, tear them out and eyes. there's fucking scarabs that jump out in people's guts and come out their butt dude it's a fucking horror movie it's yeah. a horror movie just good there's the fucking and even though the cgi can't hold up till i mean you know like what? They're, they're there's, actually, still, there's still there's some bits really, I really good dig, set yeah. Pieces yeah. in there there's yeah. some really good set pieces in there and some of it's like hokey but at that same time at that point in the game you don't fucking care no you know you just want to see the mummy in the big sand wall <laughs> and
4: it's it's also not the rock in the score in the, uh, the sequel. No,
3: it's not that bad. That's not bad. Well, well, I don't (laughs) know. It's fucking fun. And Steven Summers makes a damn good movie.
2: And I think it also speaks to the strength of the cast. Yeah. That I'm actually, I'm actually invested in these characters. You're invested in in Brendan Brendan
1: Fraser. So (laughs)
4: that's that's all you have to do. You believe that, that Brendan Fraser is an action hero in the movie. There you go. But not
3: just a regular action hero. And that's what I liked about the mummy. He was like almost harking back to those, like the square uh, John, Errol Flynn yeah. adventure time the
4: the 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 serial type yeah. the serial adventures yeah.
3: and and it was so like every thing was another big set piece that yeah totally be a serial and I really like you said turn off your brain and have fun yeah this movie is a blast and we were talking about the cast and especially uh, I always like jay oh kevin o'connor kevin
2: Pe- j o'connor kevin j o'connor kevin j o'connor, j. O'Connor. Kevin yeah.
3: O'Connor playing uh benny always benny every, every time uh, uh, benny uh, right just that little like that goof that you love to hate like and, the, the and, bad and also guy number
2: two the ultimate underling yes yeah.
4: and also showing that in 1999 the the pencil thin mustache was something oh. that you wanted to have because that's oh, the connective mm-hmm. tissue between this and house in haunted hill is is uh <laughs> It's Jeffrey, Jeffrey Rush has the, the Pencilton mustache. And you've jo- got John Waters was yeah, all yeah, over ninety nine. the, year the just Waters
1: went, mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm, They're stealing my
3: signature look. I'm going to make them eat shit.
2: That's what's fun. And the enthusiasm from talking about this film going yeah. from kind of the dour audition to, to <laughs> this, there is just such a total... It's it's fun, ultimately. It and it's
3: uh, one that you can show everybody. Yes. Everybody. It's a PG-13 movie and a big summer blockbuster, but it's a great horror film because the, some of them scenes are really scary, yeah. and grandma can watch it young cousin can it's watch sneaky it yep.
2: it's the it's you're playing sis in connect four and she gets you on the diagonal yep. you know it's <laughs> pretty sneaky. sneaky sis and that's what's great we've talked about i mean we're a hundred some odd 160 some odd episodes in we've always talked about doing like the gateway horror films mm-hmm. like yeah. for kids this could
3: totally be a gateway this horror. Was a totally oh. one
2: yes absolutely um a lot of fun with the mummy, uh, but let's go ahead and talk again. Going from a but
4: oh, first before because you were talking about Gateway and, and so many people still to this day when they're talking about Gateway to horror they always mention you know Monster Squad mm-hmm. and I think we can say oh, that the mummy yeah. in this movie is mm-hmm. scarier than the <laughs> yeah. the mummy in the Monster Squad yeah.
3: and, and I hope people reverse engineer to more Steven Summers flicks than they see Deep Rising because that movie is dope too. <laughs>
2: treat Williams because he's a treat. Shout out to Heather Wixon. I know she is a huge fan of that one. It actually got a special edition Blu Ray, like complete with all the new special
4: features. It may be a movie that we're threatening to show at Terror Tuesday at some point in the future.
3: Deep Rising is great. Deep Rising is another underwater. It's basically the underwater mummy. Yeah,
4: it's an an underwater mummy that that invites the audience to be in on the jokes. Yeah, because it's goofy,
3: and it's got Benny in it. So yeah,
4: you you try to make fun of Deep Rising, and the movie
3: responds with, "Oh yeah, yeah, it's, we know. What's your point?" And it's got Fiamka Jansen. There's another connection. I know this is is just
2: <laughs> Yeah, just a year before. That's so bizarre. So bizarre. Uh, but going up against a film that another one that I actually did see in the theater as well. Me too. But had a totally different experience yep. in the theater with it. Uh, we are talking Antonia Bird's *Ravenous*. Uh, Adrian, what was your initial experience with this little flick? <laughs> I saw it. I saw
4: it in the theater. So, oh my! So I saw it in the theater. I I snuck <laughs> yep. to see it in the theater. Were
2: we also in that theater?
4: Because I think probably floor was sticky. Was it Word Parkway? Because that's where I saw
3: it. Uh, Cinema. Actually, I think I saw the at I saw like, the, I see, or the no the Glenwood. Glenwood.
2: Yeah. There you go. Oh man. Oh, yeah. The,
3: the, the yeah. old Glenwood, not Glenwood Arts. That no, was the no, old no, Glenwood. Not,
2: not the, not no, the, no, that nah. would have been the original. The original one because, that had the yeah. Because that last year I saw Payback. The same year in '99 yeah. there as well. So ooh, good screening. And bizarre though that it had enough. There were I'll say. So it played at quite a few theaters, but no one was there. Nobody yeah. fucking saw this movie. That's why I was <laughs> able to sneak into it.
4: <laughs> That's that's what right. I was able to. They, they bought my ticket. They don't care. They're like right. someone's
3: buying a ticket for
4: this. Okay, okay.
3: go on in. Yeah, have a seat.
4: And, and even though we're in March, we we should give a shout out for for Ravenous. And it's a movie. When I talk about Ravenous, that even though it was uh, what Fox two two thousand or Fox Atomic, one of those, it wasn't the main twentieth century Fox. It was their mm-hmm. the offshoot right. that their subsidiary label mm-hmm. at the time. But um, Antonia Bird, a female horror film mm-hmm. director in nineteen ninety nine being put out in a large number of theaters is still something that's rare today 20 yeah. years later. So the fact that she was able to get this movie out there to as many screens as it is, is still great and fantastic. And that's what, what I really like uh, about the movie. And then it's it's fun, it's dark, it's mean. It's, it's weird. Bloody, it's bloody, it's weird. It's got all kinds of crazy character actors that mm-hmm. are in it. And it's just, oh man. It's the
2: perfect stew and that's a pretty apt little metaphor for it because ultimately
3: it's a bloody little it's it's it's, very rare yeah very very rare a a good a good bloody little mix up it's a nice little genre (laughs) well
2: and it's fun because we had a chance to see it again theatrically due to nerds and nostalgia Check back our our live episode we did on it and again it's a it's a one that's still polarizing because as we heard one of our friends was like I hated it like it was just not a good experience which I completely understand yeah but you realize anytime you throw in a film that is a cannibal Film, yeah, and first and foremost, this is a cannibal film.
3: It's
4: a a cannibal superpower movie. Yes, the Wendigo.
3: That's true, because you get like superhuman strength when you eat people. I kind of want to the wanna the, do it. the
4: vision and everything, the, <laughs> the not a the deal breaker, not a deal
3: breaker. Hell no.
4: You know what? You know, into the mouth of
2: Martin Magic has been inspired unofficially by Shudder, but also I think the underlying theme <laughs> not a deal breaker. What is a deal breaker for Genius <laughs> McGee? Maybe we're gonna find out by <laughs> the God. end of this. <laughs> I want
4: I want to pose a question to to Genius McGee, who who are you? Uh, who are you gonna be forced to to eat first, David Arquette? Or oh, why am I blinking on his name? I love the, I'm taking... the scrawny little man, uh, Jeremy Davies. Oh,
1: yeah. <laughs> which, which
4: one of those two are you going to go first I'm if ta- you've got a choice? I'm
3: taking down the diddler. Because, like, <laughs> cause like, one, he ain't got no reason. Plus, like, he looks pretty meaty. Plus, like, you know, one less diddler in the world. That's a good. That's a win-win in my book.
2: It was, it was pretty incredible that Jeffrey Jones was all over uh, 1999 we just can't seem to get rid of him unfortunately
4: and that's and that's the, that's and the, the downside to to a movie like this is that it's it's really good and you're talking about it you want to suggest it to to people but you have to give the caveat now. This was made in 1999, so Jeffrey Jones does have a part but in the, it. But the general populace, they don't know that.
3: Yeah, I know. So you but, can but, even and they're like, oh, it's, Jeff- it's the dude. They're, they're going to have this.
2: that same exact. Oh, hey, it's
4: that guy. Yeah, it's oh, that's that's guy. What, we, what we don't, don't wanna... he, I haven't seen that guy in a while. Why haven't I seen them? Let me look. <laughs> oh, oh, I used to like oh. Jeffrey Jones. What happened? What oh. happened to him? Where would he go? Oh, oh, oh no! And that that begs the question: oh, oh, Do oh, we ruin
2: it for them? I I mentioned it before. I can never watch him now without without seeing it's a diddler.
4: But at the same time, when he when when he gets his Come up in some different films. Sure. Does it feel it's that much better. more it's cathartic more, nowadays, knowing that knowing that it was in the past when the film was made?
3: But diddler or not, I mean, this is still the cast alone is fantastic. It's Robert Carlisle Robert Carlyle being so scary and charming, and just like digging like a dog, and, and such weird music now like, like yeah. you said it, oh. for some people this movie will work for some yes. people this movie will not work the, but it sets the mood i think it, it immediately
2: sets yes. the mood but yeah. the, with the quote with the with the, the barfing sequence that yep. whole intro mm-hmm. scene is so gnarly and it does it sets its place at the table and again if you want to get involved with the meal go for it if you yep. don't excuse There's- yourself from the table you're fine yep. and it's
4: it's got the um, the, yeah. the, the, the genetic, genetically perfect Aryan in the movie too. Oh God. And Mr.
3: Oh, yeah. Wait, what's his, um, Neil, oh Neil McDonough. Neil, oh Jesus. Neil McDonough. This. And then how, how we're introduced to him. Yes. Just ah! screaming in that frozen lake naked. Ah, I'm like, okay. He's, he's, he's great in everything.
4: He's one of those actors. If I see. And then of course, Jeremy Davies too. If they're in something, I'm like, yes, you, I will check out that movie. Freaking I would check out that TV show. John, Spen-
2: that- John Spencer is in this film. Yeah. God damn
3: it!
4: I mean, it's just—it's
3: just, it's just everybody. But Robert Carlyle steals the show. Yes, I mean him and Guy Pearce. They're Guy Pearce is so good at it.
2: He, Guy Pearce, the, his his genre resume—not even going into his, like his fine feature films that he right. does. That are you know the King's Speech for example. I always chuckle when he shows up because then he shows up in fair like ravenous.
4: But see, and then oh, I, ju- I just I just thought of the perfect, and I don't know why my brain is just on nothing but double features today. But you want a double feature to put with this one, the proposition. Oh yeah, absolutely. Well, that was uh, part of the nerd
3: knowledge trailer. Yeah, I was gonna say twenty eight weeks later. Good. <laughs> you so, if you're I mean, Robert, Robert Carlyle eating people. There you go. No, but uh, <laughs> no, but and but the music is. Probably one of the most like divisive things about the movie. I love it. I think it's great, but it's so weird because it turns into like Backwoods Benny Hill, Uh but it's during this very climactic horror scene Mm -hmm. and people being eaten and violently beat up. And it, but at the same time, it is a chase, yes. and if you're gonna have a chase, why not have like backwood in in the woods? Why not have backwoods Benny Hill music? It is scientifically proven, and but it's done by the guy from the Gorillas, so yeah. it's it's so just like like you said, it's a perfect stew, but for some people, it just hasn't simmered enough. No, 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 and I it's part
4: of what what I really like about it is the is not only just the direction, but then the, the writing for, for the the interplay that you have between the characters, the mythology that's that's tied into it and everything. And most people don't know that the guy who who wrote this um, is the guy who goes on to write Oceans 11 for, for the remake just a couple of years later. and he is the um, creator and writer of one of my favorite TV shows that that only um, existed for for one season but was called Terriers with uh, oh, Donald yeah. Don yeah, and, and I like Don uh, Lodge. Ne- Neil McDonough does, he shows up in that for a little bit too, but it terriers kind of has that same feeling where you've got comedy, but then you've got a very serious story and, and but you have, even though they don't have huge pieces, you have very um, fully drawn characters. And I think that's why you have such a great uh, character actor lineup of people who are in these movies, because you you, if you had like a bigger name actor they might not dive into that character and by putting people like you said by having robert carlisle by having guy pierce by having jeremy davies who can sink their literal sink their teeth
3: somebody's licking
4: me into these characters that on the outside might look like they're They're thinly drawn, but they're adding a lot to to these characters because that's what's definitely in the script. And other people might just be like, I'm going to have this one quirk. And they're like, no, 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 no. These these are flesh and blood people. Mm -hmm. It's it springs a little. It speaks to the strengths of the film. Why we are
2: still talking about it. And it's one that I still I champion this film because I'm not a big fan of the cannibal, the cannibal genre. But this is one ultimately that I know. I can show my horror friends and my non-horror friends and might get, you know, the same reaction out of both of them, which I love. Yeah. Um, but as much as we love both of these films as great as they were theatrically, only one can go <laughs> into the round of the hateful eight. And so Wait, this Highlander, uh, the, yeah, the only oh, one, about the
1: wrong <laughs> uh,
2: which of the two films, let's go ahead and break them down. The first criteria is closer to the heart. So
4: Adrian, the mummy or ravenous, which are the two are closer to your heart? I, I know it's going to sound almost sacrilegious saying yeah. it. No, no, and, no. um, I, I, I love The Mummy. The Mummy's really fun. But Ravenous is a movie that I want to show everybody. There's plenty of people who know about it, but I still feel like... People who haven't been born yet know about the mummy. <laughs> and they know what to expect going into it. They're, the children, once they get to the point that they're able to, you know, string words together and understand full cognitive thought, are like, "Oh yeah, the the mummy's supposed to be a silly movie, right?" right. Yeah, sure, sure, sure. Yeah. But but more people haven't seen Ravenous, and Ravenous is a movie that I want to see, even if it's just to have a conversation. Like you said, it is divisive. Yeah. And so it's it's fun to put it on, being like, "Oh yeah, you haven't seen this one." Really curious to talk to you about it afterwards. Let's let's check this out. Mm-hmm. So I I have to go with the Ravenous because of that makes sense. Genius. The Mummy,
3: dude. The <laughs> Mummy is closer to the heart. The Mummy is so good. I remember leaving the movie doing the theater going. That movie was fucking rad. I'm like ah. Oh. And when Mummy Two comes out, I'm like yes, because I'm full on board. I am ready to go with this franchise until Scorpion King, and I have not been disappointed. Going back to it, I can, I know I said this on the uh, the like, anti house on Haunted Hill, right. but I can come in and and jump in it at any time mm-hmm. and have a great time with it. I love the Mummy. I love Ravenous. <laughs> But again but i love me some you money. gotta go for your heart that's right there Get your right there right there
2: well and it's i haven't seen the mummy on a big screen since i've s- saw it theatrically yeah and i'd love to see it on the big screen again i think it would make a great movie party potentially oh yeah i think there's a lot of interactive stuff that you can do that but you know what i got to see ravenous again on the big screen <sighs> and it did really pull on the heartstrings as much as because like you said it was a chance to have other people see it for the first time which is yeah. kind of the whole goal of this everyone's seen the mummy More people need to see Ravenous, but for me, that really got me closer to the heart on that one, so Ravenous for me. Now, that being said, again, take your heart away from this next question here, but if you were to take one of these films away, which one would leave 1999 poorer? Adrian, let us start with you.
4: It's it's, it's difficult, and this is going to sound like a really weird comparison for making the argument, Um, because I did say that The Mummy is one of those quintessential big blockbuster popcorn flicks. But because it is one of those, you have many of those coming out in a year. And as we were talking about from the international to the the American scene, you don't have as many special and original American big theatrical release horror films. So that's why I have to say ravenous, especially again, because you have the, the female director aspect to it. And so you don't have many of those that you can throw out and be like, oh, well, you, you got to remember this. You got to remember that. I mentioned Ravenous when we had a Tara Tuesday showing months ago of Jennifer's body,
1: mm-hmm.
4: because you're talking about either whether it's a female director or a female writer when it comes to a a big studio output. And, for both horror, on that one. and you don't but you don't always have that. And so that's why if you have those two and you take those away then you're, you're left with a whole bunch of other movies. And The Mummy, as entertaining, as as fun as it is, could be have come out the year before, could have come out a year later, could have come out 10 years later. But I think Ravenous, for that place and time, really stands out as, because you have so few examples like that. So I think that makes it even
3: more special. That works, absolutely. Genius. I say The Mummy because... Yes, it was a big blockbuster, and like everything you said, there was tons of big blockbusters, but this is one of those few occasions that you can show a horror movie, a big blockbuster, Mm -hmm. to everybody, and everybody will have a good time with it. Not everybody's going to have a good time with Raven. No. No. This (laughs) This movie is somebody's gateway horror. This movie is somebody's... like. Homage to the old Mummy, as matter how loosely veiled as it is, yeah. this is making the Mummy relevant and scary again. One of those old monster movies, and while sure there are other ones that can do that and have done a little bit, nothing like this one. This spawned a franchise. This, yeah. this is one of those movies that like you can show. Everybody. You got Jet
2: Li in a money. money. Oh my God! Let's, right. Right. One Jet one. Lee? Yeah. let's yeah. not Jet Let's not talk about that one.
1: Yeah, they let's tried, know.
3: but with, this, the two, with the first two, with the first two, sure,
2: yeah. No, that makes sense. No, it's good again. A lot of mummy love there on this side. Well, it's really funny because ultimately, the mummy just a couple of years ago, we had another remake the one with Tom we, Cruise. We, no, that didn't happen. Okay, that, no, again, that didn't happen. We and, didn't
4: cognitive dissonance, which didn't happen. We raised th- it from your mind. I
2: think that reaction, in and of itself, tells you something oh. a little bit about the power of the that not even the original, but that yeah. remake. But the fact that it, it spawns from the original, you know, if you got rid of it, the original still would exist. It would still be inspiring other films for
4: better or worse. Yeah, mm-hmm. I I think that's one of the problems with the the new uh, with the one from 2017 when they made uh, the mummy is that they had the whole. Um, the the idea that they tried to want to to replicate elements of the original, being like let's let's have the big action fun, let's have um, Tom Cruise in it because that action element is what everybody liked sure. about the original one. But since we're doing something that's called the dark universe, we have to make it darker, and they couldn't really right. skirt the edge that makes the Mummy so entertaining.
3: But continue with your. Oh let's say we'll, we'll yeah, get on a side tangent on your, your though. Continue with your.
2: Yeah vote. ultimately I, it goes back to the fact that it is you know we it is women in horror we're just coming off of women in horror month. Um, you you know if you don't have the you're still going to have other mummy movies that are going to be they're going to be made what you don't have are a lot of great horror movies directed by by women okay. and this is one that ultimately that you could not, this is like the Jackie Khan thing You know, it's like yeah. oh, a woman directed that And ultimately it wants to be one of those things that does not matter no. But the whole thing is representation What they bring and just to me If you take that away That sucks Because you have a film that is ultimately an acquired taste But man, it doesn't matter if it's your thing or not It exists and it's it's making a statement We're still again talking about it So for me, it is ravenous It's, it's, just, it's just like Steak talk I'm going on the
3: record saying that's horse shit and that's the committee some bullshit. The
2: committee recognizes
3: uh, genius <laughs> McGee. This is the one where if I was watching the game, I'd be like, "God damn it!" And just like that's a bullshit call, right? Fucking
1: reps. <laughs> well, by
2: uh, by a vote of four to two, and the two was loudly here, loudly heard there. Uh, looks like uh, Ravenous is taking the mummy home in a doggy bag
1: oh. and moving forward
2: to the round of the hateful eight and man going we forward Taurus
3: night. is
2: coming up. Holy we, shit. We really do and both could be paired really interestingly with some maybe dishes,
4: some yeah. drinks,
2: you know, would mm-hmm. make for an interesting double feature. Uh, but man, thank you so much Adrian Absolutely. for taking the time
4: again for doing yeah. this. This I'm, is I'm always... going to I'm going to wheel myself out of here cuz my feet are sore. <laughs>
2: Oh, good Lord. Good Lord. Um, so, again, where can our listeners find you out on the social media before we get
4: uh, out? At Torres on Twitter. Uh, HorrorVerseries at HorrorVersery on Twitter. You can find my writing up on Boom Howdy. Um By the time this episode comes out, uh, South by Southwest will be uh, ending. Yes. So, there will be a, a whole bunch of coverage on there for a whole bunch of movies. Not just from me, but from... The other people on the staff who made it out with us. So definitely give that a a check.
2: All right. Well, we're going to take a quick break. But when we come back, we're going to be joined by yet another one of our favorite uh, local writer and podcasters. We'll be joined by the host from the From and Inspired by podcast, one Nick Spacek. We'll be back here in just a sec. He was licking me. What? He was was
1: licking me. No. He was licking me!
2: Right. Yes! and we are back and as we go from the round of the scream 16 into the round of the hateful eight let us go ahead and again thank adrian torres mm-hmm. and uh as we say as we thank adrian let us also thank him for helping us say goodbye yes farewell adios and adieu to both uh, house on haunted hill and the mummy
3: shenanigans
2: Shen- shenanigans straight shenanigans shenanigans <laughs> quite honestly i'm quite excited with our next guest here mm-hmm. um you can read his work uh through cinepunks starburst magazine um, amongst many others uh he is the host of the from and inspired by podcast please welcome back to nightmare junkhead nick spasic hey fellas how are you doing today there good sir
0: i'm a little sleepy but i'm doing all right
3: sleepy is good sleepy right. uh, it's- you need to sleep <laughs> it's just a good thing we weren't, this isn't the dream child round And like, <laughs> you'd be fine
2: <laughs> Again, shenanigans, shenanigans So uh, before we get into the madness, uh, please tell our listeners Where can they find you out on the social media? Please plug and promote away
0: You can find From an Inspired By a podcast about movie soundtracks And the people who make them at uh, on Facebook and Twitter At From Inspired Pod And uh, at the website fromandinspiredby.com
2: and if you ever listen to the, when we do our What's the Score segments, we always make sure to shout out the From and Inspired By podcast. And I kind of like we've got some synchronicity here. 20 years into the Mouth of March Madness, we uh, had Tony Giles on, and now 90 years later, we have yet another one of our favorite sound uh, soundtrack score podcasts. So again, thank you for taking the time to do this, but ultimately kind of to give everyone a peek behind the curtain here uh, how the sausage is made if you will um, normally with these episodes we try to bank as far ahead as possible mm-hmm. uh, when it comes to scheduling guests it's tough life happens this and that yeah. so we are literally recording and it's the reason why we had to drop our t- uh, 2009 episode on friday rather than the scream 16 hateful eight episode That's we are recording right now mm-hmm. but the reason i say this is um, here in the horror community and especially when you bank episodes and you release something stuff can happen things happen yeah and since we've really last recorded we've lost like two masters in our genre and we wanted to kind of take some time to you know pay our respects uh but here just a week back we lost someone that if you're not in the horror community you may not know the name you wouldn't know the face but you knew his work mm-hmm. uh we lost the great john john, Carl Car- Mom yep. john Carl
3: Yeah. yeah uh, it- it's a loss to the horror community as well and then yeah we will never get to see this uh
0: Jason 7
2: it's, well yeah. do, 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 any thoughts uh you know feelings uh with the loss of Mr. Beekler there on your side nick
0: yeah you know like i remember like he's been in like so many like special features and like behind the scenes stuff like i feel like he's like one of those people that like you kind of get to know like over the years, like, cause he's always willing to like pop into those special features and they like, talk about his work, uh, like on special effects for all the movies he did. And like, he's always like this very, like, he's, he's a very big dude who does like very disgusting stuff.
1: And he's like,
0: <laughs> he just always like, is such this nice, like teddy bear kind of dude.
2: And by all intents, from what I've heard, he was just the kindest guy at conventions. And, you know, he worked on one of my favorite flicks, uh, Terror Vision. He's responsible for just the gnarly, lovable creature behind that. But, I mean, he also directed um, not only Part 7 of Friday the 13th, but uh, Troll, Mm -hmm. Cellar Driller, And he was also, he was uh, directed a segment in one of my favorite kind of anthology, not anthology films, but uh, The Dungeon Master.
3: Uh, Yeah, he... Left his mark, man.
2: And it's just one of those guys that he was, you know, very young when he passed. uh, But go check out that right now there are there's a GoFundMe right now to help out with the funeral costs. So make sure checking out, of course, you know, supporting the horror community. But here on the very day we record, we're recording this episode like just a few hours beforehand. We found out we lost Larry Cohen.
3: Yeah. When I think of Larry Cohen, I think of Dirty New York. I think of, I think of that's the way New York is and should be. You know, you have to watch out for uh, flying Quetzalcoatl gods in the sky, and watch out the yogurt that you eat. And yeah, it's just a wonderful Dirty New York, and New York will never be the same.
2: Right, right. And I mean, I just recently watched the King Cohen documentary that's yeah. streaming on Shudder. And like any good documentary like that, it made me seek out his, his the work that I've seen and also reach out to the films that I hadn't seen. So again, Nick, your thoughts on um, the unfortunate passing of Larry Cohen?
0: He's actually a guy, like I got to interview him when King Cohen was making the, the fa- uh, festival rounds and he was just like the nicest, <laughs> friendliest dude. Like, I mean, he's like, he's made like a lot of really iconic movies and he, but he's like was one of the last sort of like true independents mm. like I mean he made all of these movies like and he was the dude like he did everything like I was talking it was like you're a triple threat you're like a writer <laughs> director producer he's like I was also the accountant like I was the <laughs> one who cut all the like I cut all the checks myself and I'm like well there you go <laughs> and he seemed to legitimately enjoy everything he did
2: well you talked about he's he's his, his name are in some iconic franchises and films um, any favorites of yours that, you know, you're going to seek out now at this point to kind of celebrate, uh, the, you know, his, his work.
0: I'm probably going to go back and rewatch this stuff. There's just uh, something about that one.
1: There's,
3: there is something about the stuff.
0: Mm-hmm.
3: <laughs> Genius. Q. Yeah. Q. I love Q. I saw Q in the movie theater. Uh, I saw it maybe, uh, six, seven years back. And I'm like, this movie's just fun. It's just a Quetzalcoatl running around in New York. It's wonderful.
2: Anytime you can put them together with Michael Moriarty
3: and Shaft oh.
2: and she says, M-
3: Mayor Shaft, like
2: <laughs> yeah. It's and what's funny is you know you talk about like just kind of the low budget you know independent filmmaking ethos. Even like his black exploitation films he did with like Fred the Hammer Williamson. Um, he definitely defied genre. But like you said, we uh, you had a chance. You screened and hosted a screening of a chud last night mm-hmm. and it's always funny i always have to remind myself okay number one it's not a cohen flick it's not a Henenlotter film because it has that feel though But it's
3: the dirty new york and like he to me he made that aesthetic you know it's it's a lower it's a larry cohen when it's a little bit dirty new york and like i said that's my favorite new york so even though it's not him you can still feel like his Influence.
2: Yeah, and that's the thing. I mean, his his influence will always be forever felt. He will definitely be missed, and it's just a reminder, man. Unfortunately, we're at this stage where just that inevitability right now just just it's not kind. Yep. It is not kind.
3: Somebody check on John Carpenter. <laughs> <laughs> that's
0: always the thing, right? Like, like people start passing, and you're just like, oh God, we've lost two. Who's the third?
2: It don't. Oh, mm-hmm. It's horrid. It's horrid. But it, ultimately, though the thing that we can remember them for and the th- and we'll continue to talk about them though and that's the beauty of them putting out this work that we not only get to celebrate but it does carry a legacy for them and their work is immortal in many sense and that's there's something beautiful about that but also a little sad as yeah. well, as well. But enough of the sadness, let's get into the madness. Ah, he's not the best color man in the business for nothing, Noah. Uh, we are here in the round of the Hateful Eight of our Into the Mouth of March Madness tournament, and the year of 1999 has proven to be a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. There's been a lot of torturous stuff. We've <laughs> yeah. had monsters. I mean, we've gone all over. <laughs> all over. But only one film can represent in the round of the Frightful Four, and we've got two films that I th- I'm, i honestly, in my i don't i'm trying to remember in my original bracket actually i think i had audition going up against the blair witch project Mm -hmm. the the ravenous was a pretty big upset but we have two just kind of just very dour films uh films that definitely leave a very different taste in your mouth uh but i will leave it up to our guest here between audition and ravenous nick which one of the two shall we go ahead and talk about first
0: Oh well, I rewatched audition this morning, so let's talk about the one that I'm freshest on. <laughs> that is
2: perfect. And I actually had a chance to see it in the theater just a few weeks ago. But kind of, what is your initial experience interactions with uh, Mike's audition?
0: What's funny is I know I've I I watched it today because I was I was talking with my brother about this last night. I was like, I've seen it, but I like, and I know like what the general plot is, but like I, it had been so long, I had to like refresh myself on all of the beats of it and I just like rewatching it I was so struck by the fact that it's like this is essentially just a romantic comedy that takes a real hard right <laughs>
1: <Yeah>.
2: <laughs> and that's kind of the beauty of it that's something that I think plays to the fact that we talked I think repeatedly that this is kind of your entry-level Mike. Mm-hmm. that it does play in such a different kind of tonally different way we always talked about how this would kind of play fun with like from dusk till dawn yeah
3: it it takes a while to get its true intention out so you're up there like oh like you said it's a romantic comedy hitting the beats looking for love everybody's kind of sad and then then like things in bags (laughs) Kitty, kitty, kitty 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 you know just like the piano wire yeah it gets it gets nuts real quick but like you said up until then it's like super normie friendly so (laughs) so how do you
2: i i are you invested in the characters up to that point um was that a ride you were enjoying and until it took that crazy turn
0: i think the thing is it's like it's such like the the way it's sort of presented it like it follows like a very particular kind of romantic comedy where it's like it's the guy getting back into the game like 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 people are just like, you're so sad. Like it's been time you can get back into it. But then it's also, it has like a certain sort of whimsy to it. Like because of the whole audition process that it's still just a little weird.
2: There, there's just a little bit of ick on that. Yeah. And that, well, that's why I think it makes it a challenging film because by no means is, um, is Ayama is he, you know, the, totally innocent in this thing no
3: but but yeah it's <laughs> it's not every day you hold auditions and like he i don't think he, he yeah he can't wash his hands clean but i don't think he deserves to get what happens to him cause Well, it, it gets gnarly well
2: and it's so funny when i went and saw it in the theater it was part of a terror tuesday screening at the alamo and probably three quarters of the crowd was seeing the film for their first time. On
3: first dates?
2: <laughs> oh, well, yeah, there were, there were a few <laughs> couples in there. But it's so funny because, again, we always talk about how different screenings can be from in studio to, you know, in the theater, your home studio, I should say. And I forgot how well the puppy played on what? the big screen, <laughs> and how every time he showed up, I mean, you could hear every, oh, you people were, and I'm like, oh, oh, people. Yeah. And it's really funny because it, what's well, not funny, it's awful, but you, I've never heard a crowd turn against a character so quickly
3: <laughs> <Boo! laughs>
2: than when you see just in the background the remnants of said puppy. Mm-hmm. And, and honestly that pissed me off. Oh yeah, no, it's it it, it but it's kind of funny cuz you can you can kind of go with that voyage everyone's taking because there's that there's like if you kill a dog, or if you kill a pet or a kid mm-hmm. in a horror film, you know all bets are off.
3: I think at this point in time with the now we've seen, I think we can get rid of the kids aspect. I think like I mean, you know all bets are off when the kids get killed, but, like, if they're the monsters. But when, like, an animal gets killed, when, like, a family pet, you're like, that person's despicable. And, like... I'm not saying she built a lot of like, like sympathy cred Cause she go- she does. She's a torture yes. trouble. Yes, soul, absolutely. But she lost a lot of it after she killed that dog. You know what I'm saying? It's like, I understand you went through some shit. We can justify you taking piano wire to this dude's leg and putting people in bags, but you killed that dog. That's over the line. You know, <laughs> that's why there's John wick. I was going to say, God forbid <laughs> that
2: guy was friends with one John wick. <laughs> He's going to call in a favor. What if she had, like, uncovered something that was just all these gold coins? Yeah. <laughs> where Audition could have... Met. What if we got Takeshi's Mickey, Mickey's,
3: like, right. John Wick? Like, what right. if we get an extended universe take? <laughs> there we go. Because oh, oh. you know he can go bloody. Yep. Oh, that'd be awesome. The Continental would be, like, insane.
2: <laughs> <laughs> so many different ways it could go. But what was really funny, though, is, unfortunately... Everyone was really along for the ride, but when the intensity ratchets up, man, you could hear a pin drop in our audience. But the only thing you could hear in our audience, sadly, was my stomach. Because, and I, I don't know if it was just the imagery on screen, and I was hoping the kitty, kitty, kitty would yeah. mask it. But oh my god, it was awful. And so I'm so like conscious of it. And I'm like, oh, maybe no one's looking, you know. And I see people squirming at the right time. So I'm like, okay, good, good. People are reacting. So the, the theater. Are you camouflaging squirming? Like, I know it's coming. Squirm. <laughs> like, oh. <laughs> Taking those, uh, I should say, strategic exits out of the theater. Like, <laughs> but there was some peripheral viewing definitely going on. But it was so funny because then afterwards, Adrian first thing was like, are you okay? And I'm like, oh, it was that loud? He's like, yeah, was I was like, damn it. So it has a still a visceral reaction to this day. And that was the biggest probably change from just, you know, from the home viewing to a theatrical viewing.
3: Did that kitty, 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 kitty on the when it was on the big sound surround, did it like was it effective? It's awful. It, 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 it fucked me up at the home viewing. I was, when she was doing that, I could just feel the needles going inside.
2: Me. Well, then also just to see the pure joy and fascination on her face just as big as it is. Oh, it's just, it's it's awful. It's awful. Well, this film is notorious. It's got a reputation. Um, you know, Nick, is this something that, like, what was your familiarity with? Like, we talk about it kind of has that notoriety. Was this one you were familiar with initially?
0: Yeah, I think, like, when it came out, it was, like, one of those where, you know, I had heard about it. Like, I, I think this was, like, one of those movies, like, when it came out was, like, sort of the very beginning of like when there was like internet movie buzz (laughs) and stuff and so that like popped up on like some of the websites i read and i was like that sounds fascinating and then you know like i'm going to college and so like eventually you get like some people who are like you watch this movie i hear it's real fucked up uh (laughs) and i remember like it just being like one of those where it's like i don't see what the big deal is like it's just like oh fuck um like, and then what was so much fun was I was watching it this morning and, like, my wife is kind of, like, in and out of the living room. And she's just like, uh, and she's like, wait, what's going on? And then <laughs> sits down with me to, like, watch the end of it. And she's like, I know I'm supposed to be disturbed, but honestly, like, I'm kind of cheering for <laughs> Fuck yep. that guy. Yep, honestly.
1: yeah.
2: that's and that's why this movie plays so well because like i said ultimately everyone is very sympathetic on one end and you can ultimately find root you can you can identify so much with that Mm -hmm. and but like i said but that turn though man pet killing
3: yeah uh question since this is my like one of my i've seen that first times for me i was kind of like um not spoiled by the movie, but I knew that it was going to get gnarly. And I heard it had a bad reputation. Not a bad reputation, but a reputation of being like super violent. Mm-hmm. And when I finally saw it, it was kind of like... You know, it wasn't as violent as I thought it was going to be. I mean, it was violent, but it was a lot of that theater of the mind. And I wasn't disappointed. But you said you saw it originally. And then do you feel the same way watching upon a review?
0: Like, knowing what's coming, I think... It changes the way you see it, but also like there, it allows you to look for other things. It lets you look at like, are there hints of what's going to come, and you kind of realize that there are. Like, and that's kind, it's. I think that's what makes a movie like this so rewarding, is that you can, even knowing the the twist or the 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 change, that you can still enjoy it even knowing that's coming because of all of the different aspects. Like, you're just like, oh, now I'm going to watch it and see if, like, I can figure out, like, where they, like, like telegraph this. And it seems like they, they do it pretty early on. <laughs> like, I mean, you've got a dog. Later on, she's feeding a dude vomit in a dog bowl.
3: Puppy um, chow.
0: <laughs> the, the, like, playing piano and stuff like that. Like, I think it's all... It's uh, like, I, although I think honestly, what really the one thing I wish is that like the poster that's so fam- famous, like not the one that's on the Wikipedia page, but like the one that's like the the, the DVD cover, mm-hmm. like of her Needle. I'm like, that kind of gives it away. Like you know, like something fucked up is going to happen. And I think it would be like way more fun to just like undersell it.
2: and it's it's also become fairly iconic like you said it's that stone cold just arresting imagery that is just uh,
3: forever associated with the film i think a more iconic shot for me was would just be her smiling like with the hair down over the face and the bag in the background that is such an intense and wonderful scene that's like the warning sign for the turn yeah you know what i'm saying like this is like like in Wee's big adventure when he finally goes off in the road and he's like driving then that one last sign is all like all all over the place that's what that is you just don't know it yet and then when he moves you're like holy shit that one that was a good scare but i think if they had that just that shot just a frame of that that would be a more intriguing poster because you didn't, you don't know what it is. You just see a girl smiling in a bag. Well, do you think she started with mattress tags and then worked her way up to actually human
2: skin with a piano wire?
3: <laughs> there's some things about dating you shouldn't know. <laughs> there's some, there's some things you couldn't understand. Some things you wouldn't understand. Some things you shouldn't understand.
0: <laughs> I think like the more like like I think a, a thing that's so iconic is like at the end, like where she shows up and she's. She's dressed differently. Like mm. She's in she's in the 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 skirt and the white
1: mm-hmm. blouse
0: and the apron, and it's like the Soska sisters like full on took that exact like yeah. thing yeah. for Catherine Isabel's character in American Mary. Like that is one hundred percent like homage to audition.
2: I think that speaks. It speaks to the strength though of the imagery that it even in a short amount of time it has already spawned homages and really good ones too because yeah. a mary and that we i think one of our first 10 episodes was, it was devoted to mary yeah, yeah. so uh, again it's one of those things that the influence is all throughout um some people will argue is this horror is this a thriller i'm fir- foot firmly planted in horror nick for you how would you how would you actually go about getting a normie to watch this film or would you get a normie to watch this film
0: um well, my wife watched it with me, and there she it enjoyed is. it. And, like I would say that her 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 movie tastes are quite divergent from mine. Uh, <laughs> the, the overlap is enough to, to, to make everything uh, like a happy relationship. But like the majority, of the things that I watch on my own, she's like, I'm good. Uh, <laughs> uh, but like I think like that's sort of like what makes us like a good sort of normie movie is that like it until it she's like got him on <laughs> like paralyzed and on the floor like you're kind of eased into it like you you mm-hmm. get like ever escalating hints that things have like she is definitely not who she seems mm-hmm. or presents herself to be and so like as it escalates like you get opportunities to be like I
1: don't know <laughs>
0: I, I think like once you see the guy in the bag like that's yeah. that. For some people, that's going to be the tap out point like you like you're you're shown something that's disturbing. And fucked up enough that like you can tap out before it gets really bad. Mm -hmm.
2: And that was another scene that elicited a response in the theater. And it was just it was so wonderful because like and that's the one thing like you said genius that scene where it's almost like she's activated by that phone call and there's oh
3: something so frightening and you and speaking of that scene and like the like that's the perfect time that one again that's the warning sign but like you can show this in, to Normies because i think she is a lot like this movie you're not in peril until It's too late. You're captivated up to her in her spell, you know, because he totally was captivated with her. And I was, too. (laughs) I was like, she's wonderful. She's beautiful, you know, and like not a deal breaker, not a deal breaker. And then finally, so like you said, you're eased into the story because you're following along. You want to know what's going on because it's an interesting enough story. It's the, the universal of people falling in love and trying to deal with sadness and loneliness. And then finally, He's blindsided by all this crazy shit, even though he's starting to put two and two together. Like, us, the audience, are like, some ill shit's about to go down. Finally, when the bag hits, we're like, okay. We're, it's too late. We're already engrossed. What the fuck is in the bag? It's Yeah, this is a good normie movie, especially if you trick the normies into it. You know what I'm saying? Because up until that point, they're like, okay, this is a, a, a international love story.
1: Like, yes, it is.
3: <laughs> yes, it is. But wait, there's more. So... <laughs>
2: I, I don't think you've ever spoken as eloquently or masterfully on the dangers of relationships and trauma and also watching out for
3: <laughs> like just, we said, we all bring our own baggage into right. play when we watch these movies, whether or not it, you know, tilts <laughs> in the background is up to you on
2: that. So uh, final thoughts on audition before we uh, switch over to our next little bit on our entree here. Um, our next bite. Yeah. The next bite, if we will, just final thoughts on audition there
0: uh i would really recommend that anybody uh who can get their hands on it get the uh arrow blu-ray of it it's got like a ton of extras that like i mean i've had it for a couple of months that i still haven't explored them all like they it's it's just like fascinating i mean you know anything arrow puts out is totally worth buying if you like that film but like this one's like <coughs> like it seems that it's like pretty next level
2: I, I totally hundred percent agree and I think that's a is that a region is that a region free one because uh, I know they've they're in talks of releasing it again I think with a new restoration oh
0: wow yeah, yeah there's and, uh, as, hmm? as far as I know it's it's their united states side
2: okay believe. excellent that's the only thing with arrow occasionally it's a region two and you're like damn because i have not invested Chris in is. an all region free blu-ray player yet even though i love my physical media so going from um just unique international horror to here straight in the united states if you will um, back in time <laughs> yo took another time another place uh we have antonia birds ravenous which we've been fortunate enough to do technically Uh, A nerds episode and Mm -hmm. feasting on it up to this point here on Nightmare Junkhead. So, Nick, what was your initial experience, your first taste of ravenous, if you will?
0: Uh, It was on video, and it was one of those, uh, like some, like, I remember seeing, like, trailers for it and everything, and, like, they never quite grabbed me, and it was only in the theater for, like, a real hot minute. Mm -hmm. So, like, I didn't see it, but it was, like, one of those, like, where one of my friends rented it, and, and then... You know, you have like, you know, the tape for like three days or whatever. And so the like, watched it and then he's like, hey, you have to come over. We're going to watch this again. Like, uh, which, which I like. That's like one of my favorite things. Or like when you like I remember like there have been like movies in the past where like I would rent them and then you would like let people borrow them and it would stay out for a week. And you're like, I don't care. You need to see this because like I'm afraid if it goes back to the store, you won't ever get a chance to see it. And, like, Ravenous was one of those where it just, like, worked its way through my circle of friends at the time where, like, it was just like, no, you have to see it. It's so – it's funny, but it's really not. Um, (laughs) And just, like, I just remember being, like, that was sort of, like, my introduction to, like, some – actors are like oh it's the dude from train spotting yeah. and, and you know and uh, like i didn't know who guy pierce was i knew who jeffrey jones was i knew who david arquette was and i was like he's actually pretty good in this like he's not like completely a dumbass um but yeah like no it was just like one of those where it's like this is, i think this movie made me very much ready for cannibal the musical when it came out a couple years later <laughs>
2: It is kind of an appetizer for Mm -hmm. it. It's funny. Appetizer. They'll throw out all the puns there. Um, You talk about it was almost worth the fine you would get with a late fee to Mm -hmm. circulate this kind of film amongst your friends. And I I think that actually kind of is the perfect encapsulation of this kind of movie. Yeah. Yeah. This is one. And I, I was I was fortunate enough to see this in the theater. Me too. I was. It was the Cinemark um, on the plaza, if I remember right. The Tivoli for me. Yeah. Ah, fine. Yes, fine, I
3: had to go to the Fancy, the well, Artie the Theater.
2: Let me ask you this, Nick. By any chance, when you saw it on video, was it through Liberty by any chance? No,
0: no. It was, was probably... This- pretty sure it was probably like through Hastings. <laughs> oh, well,
2: even, ah, even better and more regional. That's my favorite part there. <laughs> now, this is one I think that is kind of the true definition of a cult classic, because like you said, it is just so oddly funny, yet not funny, scary, not scary. The music is phenomenal. And that's what I wanted to also touch upon just to kind of keep uh, on brand with your podcast. Uh, the score in this is just next level. It's so
3: wonderfully weird. It's it's wonderfully weird. Like I we said, I think in the last one, normally banjo dog would piss me off, but it was played so well during a chase because it's a tense chase and it's Benny Hill. At the same time, you're afraid, but you're you're excited and and fun. It's yeah. I, I, what, would, what what do you think about the score? It's
0: just like such a weird combination because like you've got the dude who did like the piano, like <laughs> you know, like which is like you know very much like a like you know, like Oscar winning like prestige film, prestige film. Yes. Uh, and then you have like teaming up with Damon Halburn, like who was at the time, like this is like way before gorillas or mm-hmm. like any of that stuff. Like that was just like, he was the dude from blur. And I don't even think that he was the dude from the woohoo song. Like there was no song two yet. Like it was just like like blur was as obscure as this movie was in the United States. So I think kind of a perfect fit.
2: It was kind of a uh, perfect marriage of that because it's just totally off. It's so dissonant. And it's funny because unless you really like that, it will probably have an off-putting effect on you. Mm-hmm. And then you throw that in the midst of a period piece that's also a
3: cannibal film. And yet, like you said, it's a comedy, but it's not, because there are some genuinely funny, funny moments, but you can't you couldn't go with saying like it's a horror comedy no. even though it's comedic throughout the entire even when the cannibalistic's going on. It's still funny. And Robert Carlyle oh. is just next level in this movie. I went to see this movie because of him from Spotting. Oh. I was like, oh, that's probably like you said, you recognized him. And like, I was like, I went and saw that. And I was like, yeah, I know that guy. I know that guy. I know that. I know the diddler. I know that guy. You know, it's like <laughs> it, it was a really great cast.
2: Yeah, sadly, we can't escape the specter of Jeffrey Jones in this year's this this year in ninety nine. <laughs> I'm telling you, from top to bottom. But even like John Spencer, of all people, shows up in this film. It's a cavalcade of character actors that adds. Um, I don't know. Not necessarily. It it doesn't make this film valid, but it's one of those films that you can show. You could maybe even show normies this one as well,
1: mm-hmm.
2: based on the fact it's Guy Pierce. I yeah. mean, that guy has been in from The King's Speech to freaking like the proposition like he's covered genres yet he finds time for stuff like this it's incredible Priscilla
3: Queen of the Desert is still
0: his finest role
3: I will agree I will wholeheartedly <laughs> agree Priscilla Queen of the Desert is what if, if he passes away that needs to be the thing in his Oscars you know what i'm saying just
1: like it,
2: he's got well it's kind of crazy if you look at the, his body of work
3: it's really impressive but i think this is a lot on the lines of the leviathan where it's the cast that makes exactly. things stand out and even looking back on it they killed it then and now looking at their later body of work you're like oh. okay i can see where they got these little horror roots like you said but the cast is amazing like it, from top to bottom everybody just kills it in this and eats the scenery
2: ah there it is there it is <laughs> and then of course also directed by the late Antonia bird this is one we tried to highlight for our women in horror month um, but I also think she's the And technically um, you know, I think it was Carlisle that actually knew her from mm-hmm. previous working and mm-hmm. was like you know she'd be perfect for it and I think she brings that bright balance to everything because it is perfectly balanced it's not you can't say it's a horror comedy you can't say it's a comedy you could maybe you. I mean, what would you qualify? I mean, I say it's a horror film, yeah. But I know that turns people off. But if you were going to entreat someone, if you're going to, you know, say how do you how do you get them into this film? How do you how do you invite them in?
0: It's like it's a dark western, kind of. I think, like, I think my this is a movie. Like if you have the you know recommend it if you like <laughs> this would be the perfect movie for anybody who like like bone tomahawk yeah. could not mm-hmm. exist without this movie yeah hmm. it's the exact same sort of tone where you're like i'm it's not comedic but there are elements of levity i think would be the best way to do <laughs> yeah. it and there are also like things that you're just like like the 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 he was licking me part <laughs> yeah like is still like that was that was like the thing I remember from the trailer. like that was the thing I was like, okay, well, I gotta see it now. Like, like I was like, oh is that the the oh that trailer? Yeah, yeah, I want to watch that. And I think that's part of it is that it's just it's 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 uh or alternately, I think another movie that it now like I think there are movies because of this movie. Like if you want to appreciate like more recent films, like watch Ravenous. Like it will make you appreciate like Bone Tomahawk. It'll make you appreciate a field in England where it's just like where it's like, do you wanna do you wanna watch something that's like kinda like did you get microdosed? Like before the movie started? Ravenous is one of those movies where you're kinda like watching it and you're like I know I'm not high, but I feel like I am. The sh- it's the, it's the, like the cinematic equivalent of like listening to like a Kurt Vile record where it's just like, I know I haven't done, I haven't eaten mushrooms, but I feel like I have been eating mushrooms for the last hour. <laughs> then
2: that, that's actually technically, that's probably the best compliment you can give a film like that too. Yeah. Because when you when I hear something like that, I'm like I'm engaged. It's like okay, (laughs) okay. really?
3: Yeah, let's see where this goes. And grab some barbecue. I'm set. (laughs) Well, it's
2: funny when we screened this for Monday Mystery Movie Night. I mean, we literally. I mean, there was not a lot of people there, which I thought was kind of appropriate, given the (laughs) reputation of the film. It is ravenous. (laughs) Sure enough, it even still struggles to find an audience because, like you said, even based on that trailer, I thought I was going to get something more comedic. Mm -hmm. And that's what's actually kind of funny with both both of these films. Is you can really see them being presented as one thing, and then you get that switcheroo, like you said, and then it becomes something totally
3: different. Yeah, you have an old, uh, not Civil Warian, but a mm-hmm. time period piece in the wilderness, and you can go at that angle, and then cannibals, like, all of a sudden. But there's not a lot, I mean, there's a lot of cannibalism, and it's very gory at times, oh, but it's, it's yeah. not like all in your face. And I think that's when you say, like, it's a wilderness horror horror comedy people are thinking that it's crazy gory right but it's not but it is you know so it's i mean it's hard to explain this movie is one of those ones that is really difficult to pinpoint and i think that's why it didn't find its audience because we're having a hard time yeah. explaining it and we've seen it and love the movie so to tell somebody brand new Sight Unseen. Go check this out. I think the only thing we can do is say, "Go check this out," you know, because it's a really fantastic movie.
0: Do you like Weird and Good? Watch this. Yeah.
2: Do you- do you- <laughs> if we ever do anything else beyond the podcast, I want that tagline. Do you, do you like-?
3: like Weird and Good?
2: That's kind of that's that's a. Would you like a closer look? Okay. That's. <laughs> so, uh, final thoughts here before we kind of compare and put these two together here on Ravenous Genius.
3: I think it's, I think it's a good movie and it makes you cold. I think it's when yeah. we talked about it on our best what to see in the winter time. Yeah. I think that's a good one because you're cold, you're isolated, and how many stories deal with wendigos? You know, that's a good that's a good monster that's not that's been underutilized
2: outside of an Alpha Flight comic. Not too much, not right? Too much. Right, <laughs> that's right. You get that over here on there. Uh, Nick, final thoughts on Ravenous.
0: Uh, I think the best compliment I can give it is that like every time I talk about it with people, I'm like, I kind of want to watch it again. <laughs>
1: Mm-hmm.
2: That's mm-hmm. Again, again the essence of what we do here. Well, as much as we love both of these films, only one can advance into the round of the Frightful Four. And in this round, we have two bits of criteria that we look at. And the first one's a little bit—it's a little bit more difficult. It's definitely you know varies from person to person. But I pose to both of you um, to create a definition of kind of what the horror aesthetic. Of what the feel for uh, for horror films in the year of nineteen ninety nine, and then based on that definition, which of the two films fits that definition a little bit better? So we will go ahead and start guest here. Uh, Nick, your thoughts on this particular bit?
0: I appreciate the fact that like audition like <coughs> uh, like sort of exemplifies the fact that like ninety nine was kind of like that year where like J horror like adaptations started to be a really big thing, Mm -hmm. like right there at the end of the late nineties. And I feel like that is like very much like an, an aspect of that period of time. But I feel like what makes audition so awesome is that like, it hasn't been remade. Like so many movies, like Mm. the ring and uh, like any number of films have been like adapted into like American versions and like audition hasn't like even (laughs) old boy has been turned into English language you know like white people take on that and like but audition like just remains like i don't know if it's so revered or it's just like because you can't like if you don't stick that land like that is a movie you have to stick the landing on otherwise Mm -hmm. it's just terrible like i don't know like why but like all the other movies that are kind of in the 99 bracket like they're very uh with the exception of like the blair witch project like they're all kind of they're slick like House on Haunted Hill, The Haunting, Sleepy Hollow, The Mummy, especially. (laughs) Um, Even Lake Placid, which is still kind of like a weird monster movie. They're all kind of clean, which I I really kind of appreciate the fact that like Audition and Ravenous are kind of the, the two that are pitting themselves here, like going in to the end. Like to determine what the best movie of 99 was like, I feel like they're kind of like, audition, like, they, they're they just perfect for each other. Like, <laughs> because they're both weird sort of, like, exemplars.
2: That makes... Yeah, and honestly, also... Odd
3: the, outliners.
2: Yeah, they yeah. would make a really weird... Uh, we're actually kind of a cool double feature. So, by that rationale, who do you say, which uh, which one fits the best definition there, Nick?
0: In, in terms of, like, <laughs> exemplifying, like... Cause they're both like, like that seems to be the thing from 99 is like, there is no real like strict identity mm-hmm. like for that era. But I would say like the one, like, because like it can't be remade, I'm going to go with audition.
3: That makes sense. That makes mm-hmm. sense. Genius McGee. <clears throat> you struck something and you kind of took my point at the beginning I remember in 1999, I think I was still working at blockbuster at the time, and just this flood of J-horror and Asian extreme and all this stuff just hit super hard. The fact we had to make a whole section of it. So when I think of 99 horror, I think of like J-horror and horror abroad. So I'm going to go with Audition for more 90s aesthetics.
2: And looking at mine, uh, the so far in 79 and 89, I've, I've kind of looked upon the idea that, you know, in each of those years, we're getting ready to transition into a new decade. And that really holds true in 99. Not only we're we going into a new decade, we're going into a new millennium. And there was just so much hype and fear of... The change that was occurring, mm-hmm. um, I think a lot of that had to do with just the kind of the global community and the climate at that point. But there's yeah. kind of that there's that kind of that horror of change at this point, and that uh, and the inevitability, but also the uncertainty. And I think both of these films really tie into that. Um, audition, for the most part, is the uncertainty of again once you've established yourself as a, a couple, you go through trauma. How do you go back out back into that field? And then with Ravenous, that's the, the idea of expansion. And between the two, I think Audition gets it a little bit more on the intimacy side. But with Ravenous, it's kind of exploring um, the uncertainty of expansion at that point. And I think that really ties into the fears of what we are transitioning into into the 2000s. So yeah. for that, I'm going to say Ravenous. Yeah, I could see that. Now, that being said... Here it is, the year of 2019. We are talking voraciously, passionately about all these films. But 20 years from now, when we're still doing the Into the Mouth of March Madness, who knows, who knows, um, between the two films, Audition and Ravenous, which of the two films are we still talking about 20 years later? Nick, I throw it out to you.
0: That's a really tough one. I feel like Audition has, like, it's, Part of the canon, for like better or for worse, like it is. It is a movie that is held up as being good. Um, but I feel like *Ravenous*. Like it's one of those like because it's so like underrated, under if not underrated, at least underseen. Like I have a feel. I, I feel like it has a chance to get more viewers i have a feeling it has a chance for more people to discover it and then add things to the discussion i feel like at this point 20 years on like people have probably written like master's theses (laughs) where like audition is part of it like i it 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 has to have happened at some point in the in the last decade um i kind of want to say like in terms of because like Audition is like very easily classifiable. I feel like in twenty years, Ravenous is gonna be the movie that still like inspired like like we were talking, like how do you describe <laughs> it? Like what makes it so appealing? Like what is that intangible? So I'm gonna I'm gonna say ravenous.
3: Good pick. Good pick. Mm-hmm. Night that's how we show the work. Very, very nice there. Genius. I'm gonna take kind of what you said, but spin it. I'm gonna say audition because like you said, 20 years from now, there's going to be people who've written more papers about it, people who have done theses about it, it could, because it is more accessible. I think we'll be still be talking about Ravenous, but just not as many, because it was so underseen, underappreciated, and underground. I think we, once again, the horror community will be talking about Ravenous, but the rest of everybody else and the horror community will be talking about addition as well. Because it is more accessible, so I'm gonna say Audition. Now, if you ask me what movie I'd want to see right now, I'm gonna say Ravenous. <laughs> but I think talking twenty years down the line, we're gonna still be talking about Audition. And the, honestly, I'm I'm I know
2: hope I know we'll still be talking about both of these films yeah. twenty years later, based on the fact that here they are now establishing a legacy. But ultimately, man, that's gonna be then forty years in terms of that overall. That's some legwork that is establishing a legacy, and I think. Because w- the way we've talked about it before, that this is kind of entry-level Mike and the fact that he is such a prolific filmmaker, the fact that he is one of those people that he is another one that you can establish and write theses for, yeah. you can spend a lifetime studying his work, and that's no slight to Antonio Bird by any means, mm-hmm. but in terms of kind of a gateway into that larger world, I think we will have audition to thank for that because it is going to be the way for many people to be introduced to that so based on that and again no love lost to ravenous but by a count of four to two oh my goodness
3: audition goes deeper
2: (laughs) (laughs) deeper and deeper into the round of the frightful four and uh, and again as we talk about man the these answers could
3: change Yeah, but depending on the day that we record. We've shown our work, and we're, this is our story, and we're sticking to it. <laughs>
2: and I am very proud that Audition is uh, representing the year of 1999 in the round of the Frightful Four. And we have one Nick Spacek to thank for that. Nick, thank you again, man, for taking the time out for talking with us. This has been a blast.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So much fun. I'm so glad that I had a, a, a reason to go back and rewatch audition at like 830 on a Sunday morning.
3: Yeah.
1: <laughs> oh, wow. Wow. Some people that's...
3: are in church. Some people are watching audition. <laughs>
1: Sometimes it's both. <laughs> that's
2: worshiping at the altar of Miki, I believe. Well, that's the one thing we've talked about and stressed that the favorite thing about not only just being able to reach out and talk to some of our friends out in the, you know, the podcast world, but to revisit these films, mm-hmm. um, whether it's a first time viewing, you haven't seen it in a while or watching it. In a theater, just getting out there, talking these films, enjoying them, everything in between. Again, thank you for taking the time out for that. So, Nick, again, where can our listeners find you out on the social media?
0: You can find me at uh, you can find me at Nuthouse Punks, and you can find the show on Facebook and Twitter at From Inspired Pod. And you can find the show at the website, uh, from an inspired by.com. And hey, uh, like I would also just like because we we offered up like uh like some sadness to start out this, I would like to like uh because his name came up when we were talking, I would like to send out some congratulations to Mr. Tony Giles
3: because yes, he,
0: his, he has a daughter Ophelia Rose and she is flipping adorable. She and is cute. I'm just like, oh my god. that's
2: amazing to mr and mr mrs giles sincere congratulations Mm -hmm. yeah of course and i remember he had mentioned that uh, off mic when we originally recorded with him so we were able to kind of do that but no of course and that's the beauty of bringing in you know when as they say one door closes Another one opens. So, and that's uh, true as it is in the horror community, genre community in general. So, uh, next Friday, make sure you are listening in. Uh, we are going to have our 2009 episode featuring the round of The Scream 16 and the round of The Hateful Eight.
3: Mm-hmm. And we
2: will see which film from 2009 will join. What do we have here? In 79, we have Alien.
3: Yeah, we have Aliens.
2: In 89, we
3: have
1: shocker yes and now here in 99
3: audition Woo! uh-oh man i can't even imagine a crossover between shocker and audition like she can come through the tv through the app the dating app and like swipe left yeah exactly swipe Swipe real quick (laughs) so until that time this is greg d i'm genius mcgee and we'll see you in your dreams